everybody, and welcome to episode 318 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, who is here joining me in the mystical, magical, <laughs> memorial studio of the airwaves. Delayed to 2020, Chris Antista. And the AEW alternative to most podcasts, WWE, Matthew Allen. And joining us for the first time in almost a year, it's special guest, John, quotation marks, Johnny. Brandon. Oh, <laughs> damn. Damn. How'd you earn that nickname, Johnny? <laughs> Can't your parents are clever. Uh, but you you have a you have a, at least one podcast as well. Uh, do you want to do you want to throw a plug at that here? Oh, I do. We are currently playing The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time in our game club, uh, Square Roots, where we play through a game one chunk at a time. And RPGs, but uh, Legend of Zelda is like close enough no one's really ca- called us out on it, so it's fine. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I like I like that beginning of the show plug strategy, Michael. That's like letting our our listeners know we have no faith they'll stick around to the end. So we got to get the plug in there at well, the start. <laughs> it's it's also to just say like, well, you're you're John from Square Roots, no, not no, just no, John. No, you know, yeah. you heard that, listeners. Yeah. No, the faith. internet's Johnny. Mm. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> yeah, the internet's well known Johnny. <laughs> Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I just heard Chris laughing in that special way. No. <laughs> I wanted to call myself Solid State, but I thought that was too much of a <laughs> too much of a dumb reference for something that'll be uh, by the time everybody hears this will be old news. Oh, wow. Anyway, okay. All right. It will be. I want to talk about PS Five. Yeah, we've got we've got a fun show. We're uh, we're grinding out toward the. That's a terrible way to put that. We're uh, we're getting closer to E3. It, it uh, looms nearer every passing day as as things get a little hushed before the the big storm of announcements and reveals. But uh, we're we're gonna take a little bit slow this week. We're going to take a look back at some of our favorite games that had some really unique features and wonder why the hell more games don't rip these off. Yep, maybe some of the announcements at E3 this year. Will rip some of these off. We don't Maybe know. Maybe they will. By Who the way, knows? which by the time you're listening to this, E3 is like the announcements will be just over a week away. At, yeah. at the time of this record, it's like, yeah, That's the announcements are, are less than two weeks. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it I think the announcements have like started a month before now that that's the new schedule for e3 well yeah yeah we'll, we'll talk about maybe in the news segment there is some announcements planned uh for later this week or i guess earlier this week by the time you hear this so mm, yeah absolutely but we're we're recording early on tuesday oh, for reasons don't tell them how the sausage is made <laughs> yeah. we're also making sausages yeah, yeah. A lot of Viagra. We're old. Ew! You put Viagra <laughs> in your sausage? <laughs> We're old. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way it gets cooked. <laughs> I'm not even sure what the joke is anymore. <laughs> Sorry. All right. This um, is this is apropos of nothing. But my friends and I, we were talking. We were talking about what we're doing on Memorial Day, and this guy's like, "I was in a hot dog eating thing," and so immediately we we go to you know do gift searches for hot dogs and the autofill on hot dog i just filled out hot dog the first term is hot dog the second term is hot dog slapping face that's how popular that expression is for gift searches that people are that's the second most popular search man that girl getting hit in the face by a bunch of uncocked hot dogs that is one of the funniest gifts in the whole that that one popped up one in the first lindsey ellis she's amazing was that lindsey ellis wow it totally is that's so a fucking rule. It's so good. And I, and in terms of hot dogs, I just I never did this before. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out something that's underrated because I've never done it before. We ran out of hot dog buns, so I sliced them up while they were warm and put them on a hamburger bun and then administered uh, ketchup, relish, and mustard. And a hot dog sandwich is not something I've ever heard talked about. I don't want to hear. I don't want to start a fucking pineapple on pizza argument because that's stupid too and delicious. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. that was. Kind of superior than eating, well, let's say at least a, a less phallic way to eat, enjoy like one of America's greatest delicacies. Mm. Hot dog sandwich. I fucking dug it. Wiener Schnitzel used to have one of those. That, that really? was a menu I, item, yeah. yeah I didn't even right, invent yeah. that, and I went on a limb like that? Uh-huh. Jesus. You can also just wrap them in a slice of bread, which is totally ghetto, but... Uh, no. <laughs> no, I graduated beyond that, boiling a single hot dog and wrapping it in Wonder Bread. I finally, I finally can afford a little more than that. Almost. Mm. I don't think I could eat one hot dog. Right. Well, that's the thing. You can put as many hot. You can stack the hot dogs as high as you'd like in a hot dog sandwich. Ooh, damn. That's Try doing that in a regular hot dog bun. You look like a fucking maniac. Just dagwood the shit out of that. Thing. <laughs> Eating a pile of pink firewood. <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> or blowing Alan two dicks. That guy's got yeah. two dicks. Mm-hmm. He's got two dicks. It is known. All right. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, so we're going to talk about unique features in games that deserve to be stolen, but for some reason, after years, have not. This will be mm-hmm. the topic of our top five, which I feel inclined to mention, just in case anyone's listening to this for the first time. We always start with the top five, traditionally. Before we segue into news and things. But anyway, we'll get started on this top five right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. <laughs> There will definitely be spoilers coming, and I got one of the greatest people ever to participate in a, a thought barrage on Endgame. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Baker. Wow, that's that's quite the intro. Greatest people ever, um, dude. But just, you know. but I'm so I have so many questions about the Marvel universe. I've been texting with Brett. He asked me to relay some of his thoughts, but I just wanted to get the, get it out immediately because one, I, I didn't feel Endgame was coming. Again, I'll, I'll, we'll keep the spoilers light for the beginning, but you really shouldn't listen to this unless you've seen it. The promotional materials don't tell you a fucking thing about this movie. I love it. It's it's crazy. I've never seen a movie hold so like hold so many cards back in its promotional materials. And I wasn't truly excited about the movie because they weren't really showing us what the movie was. I think there are about there are over a hundred surprises in this thing that you will not see coming. Yeah, every few minutes and you know the the, the plot goes places that you know, even if you know the comics, there might be like things where you think something's going to happen because you know the comics, and then it doesn't. Above all else, though, it's just a good movie right. that is, uh, you know, kind of the perfect way to cap this whole 11-year journey we've all been on. Right. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our top five, where we will talk about what? Feet solid state. No, it didn't work again. <laughs> Feet dummy thick. <laughs> I, I do respect you for trying. Features people should steal. Yes. Steal these features. Steal these features from these games that used them so well, and yet nobody's really... 
really mm-hmm. copied them, or if they have, it hasn't happened very much. Yeah. Can I, can I give a minor hot take uh, of of something I wish people would stop stealing? No. Crafting. But do it anyway. Crafting. Crafting. I, Enough. I, can you really call crafting. it stealing at this point? It's now just like an industry standard feature. I know, but it sucks. It's like me making my own shit. Like if I like I don't know, if I want a better weapon, let me make it, but don't maybe like craft my own fucking arrows. Even Monster Hunter had been doing that for ten years and now automatically does it for you. Hmm. Like I don't want to <laughs> go to a menu and make shit. Like I, I don't want to collect little nuts and bolts. I love almost every time the sound of me picking them up. But going into a menu and making shit, it's just unnecessary. Just let me pick up the bullets and things I need. Doom had it right the first time. Yeah, don't even stop to reload. Just yes. If you have yes. bullets, they come out of your gun. That's how it works. Perfect. That's why yeah. Doom is perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's begin with... Number five. But that is a blasting, a screaming thing repeatedly. Dead space! Yes, true. Oh, yeah. That was not bad, actually. Yeah, so Dead Space, people concentrate on, like, the horror, the futuristic weapons, the Ishimura, the creepy-ass necromorphs, whatever. But what this game did, that very few games did at the time, was it made you reprioritize your targets. That now headshots and body shots didn't work so well. What did work really well was targeting limbs using various mining and cutting tools to uh, slice the limbs off your enemies, which is, I guess, where their intelligence was stored or something. And yeah, they had some. I forget how the necromorphs work. Yeah, they had an in-game reason to explain why that happened, but that sort of like shooting out a cutting weapon and like being able to switch on the fly what uh, what direction you were Mm -hmm. firing that Mm -hmm. line. Mm Yeah. That was really neat. And it in like I think if we're being honest with one another, you know, it, it's I think if you're like me and you play a shooter, you sort of just aim for the center and hope you fire like hope the recoil goes up and you get a mm-hmm. headshot. You just this unload like, half a clip into a person. Right. And, yeah. and this game was like, no, you you have to cut off certain you could make you could make an E an E for every one game with this mechanic. It's very. It, I, I do like it. You bring it up this way, like it's, a claymation game, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Like seriously, the, it, it has other implications other than like mm-hmm. cutting limbs off. Just like the idea of shooting a body part that it's easy to shoot. It's it's a lot harder to shoot a limb or an elbow than it is to hit a head. Yeah, I, I think that's what I liked about it. Is is we'd all grown so accustomed to just headshot, headshot, headshot. You have to go mm-hmm. for a headshot, and that'll do damage to the enemies in this. But the the easier way to kill them is if you do target. And lop off their limbs. And it also yep. let them play around a lot with the physics. Because, you know, if you chop off a leg, a, l- a dude's going to fall over. And then he's going to start crawling towards you. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I would say, I think this kind of elevated... You know, a lot of games had been doing proximity damage, right? Mm-hmm. For, for a long time. Um, but this was like, well, we're going to take proximity damage to its kind of logical conclusion. Which is, we're not we're going to encourage you to to blow off those limbs. And that will be the best way to, to kill these enemies. Yeah. Or as this guy just puts it. Either. Be careful. Shooting them in the body didn't seem to work. Go for the limbs. Dismember them. That should be the job. Does that sound like Tim Meadows to anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. you're gonna want. I can't do a good Tim Meadows. Yeah. Nobody can. Yeah, and when and when you're done with, you want to meet me by the nacho stand. Yeah. Damn. Why don't I just <laughs> all, to all great. you uh, xenomorphs that are over forty and single. Yeah. I'm about to do the Alabama crab dangle on you. <laughs> uh, 
welcome. Mm. Recover from that, Michael. And even even though I think the last time you were on, John, uh, we we talked about Dead Space in a list of games where like the starter weapon was the best mm. throughout right. the entire right. game, and I, I still think that's true. But I do hold a special place in my heart for the Ripper. You guys remember the Ripper? Is that the one where you're shooting saw blades, basically? Yeah, not not only you're shooting saw blades, but you telekinetically control the spinning saw blades in midair and yeah. make them slice through enemies, and it's great. Yeah, <laughs> which I probably would be more familiar with if I used anything other than that starter pistol. Yeah, because the starter pistol plasma cutter. Well, that, that plasma cutter was the perfect way for them to show you how the systems work. And then Chris kind of was describing it before. You could either you could turn the beam so that it was either vertical or horizontal. Mm-hmm. And what's great is as you upgraded it, the beam got wider, so it was much easier to land those limb shots. And it also, you know, got more powerful and it could take things off in fewer shots. But yeah, yeah there were there was all there was very little reason to use any other weapons but that starter weapon because it yeah. was if you're playing the game the way they wanted you to play it, that was the best way get weapon to use to do so. It's the most efficient way to kill shit. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I, I just remember the other weapons being very situational. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, yeah, you might want to use a shotgun type weapon, but that really was when you are like surrounded and just to, to get some space. Yeah. But I, I, I want to make it clear. This isn't just dismemberment because that used to be a pretty common feature. I do feel like uh, it has fallen off quite a bit in recent years. Like it used to be more of like a PS2, three, Xbox 360 right. era thing. Dismemberment falling off. I see what you did there. Ah, uh, I didn't. <laughs> and Soldier of Fortune was... Thank you. Around. That's the yes. one I was thinking of for proximity yeah. damage. No, and Soldier of Fortune 2, I have distinct memories of, like, you know, just taking the knife and, like, I heard all these things about the layers of Goron. It's like, I want to see just how far this can go. And so, like, I just took a knife and started hacking away at a, a dead soldier's face and managed to, like, oh, no. carve through his face, like, revealing bone. And, like, by the time I was done, there was, like, brain sticking out. It's like, wow, they really... <laughs> Went the extra mile on this shit. <laughs> this is super gross. I love it. Because uh, I remember a- there's a Jedi game too, which yes. I think had a. M- oh no, no, you keep going. I, I don't know what it's called. It's Jedi Knight Two. Uh, is it Jedi Knight Two? Oh Outcast. yeah, because that's Dark. That's Dark Forces Three, I guess. Right. Uh, yes. Up. Yes. Uh, so yeah, then that was a cheat code, but it was it was made by Raven, who were masters of dismembering. Uh, right. And, and yeah, like once you had the cheat code on, you could just like, by running into people with your lightsaber drawn, you could hack them to pieces. Uh, you could send it out, like do the spinny lightsaber throw thing. And it was just like, it was like the Ripper. It was like a blender blade in midair that would just hack everything <laughs> to bits. And I think that uh, Singularity took some stuff from mm-hmm. Dead Space as well, right? A little bit of limb shooting, mm, things maybe. like that. I didn't play that game enough to say for sure. I know. For <laughs> Singularity. <laughs> it's good. It is, I mean, it, that's Raven as well, I think. Yeah, you might uh, be right. Mm-hmm. Did and, they do uh, the Wolverine game too? Yes. It just celebrated 10 years of on Earth. You mm-hmm. can find it if you can. It's really good. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Um, not for Wii, though. That's a completely different game. But, uh, but yeah, and, and again, making it clear, like, we're not just talking about dismemberment in general, but the strategic element to it, that it's right. it's an yeah. important thing. And, and like... Even just to the point of, like, it would be kind of cool if you were in, like, a shooty game and you could blow uh, an enemy's uh, gun arm off and then he has to bandage himself and fight you with the other arm. I don't know. 
Yeah, I feel like a lot of Instead games... Of just collapsing and dying like most people would do. A lot of games have done this over the years, primarily in boss battles, though. Like, mm-hmm. even going back to the 2D day, you know, days, that was always a big feature in boss battles is, okay, you have... To, but there is more of a puzzle of you have to blow off this guy's legs before it mm-hmm. will reveal this other, you know, vulnerable spot, and then and then you can finally take him down. But yeah. Yeah. but this is just with everyday enemies in the game. Achilles socks. Yeah, and you would think like something like Gears of War 4 and, and probably the upcoming 5 that features like those those robots that you fight so prominently. Like robots are a, a great example of like, hey, you, you should think of a non-standard way to take these guys down because they're not human beings, so they don't put their brains where their brain actually would be. And so mm-hmm. let's think of some more creative ways to get rid of them. So yeah, yeah. Destiny actually did that 500,000 times. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only 500,000? That's barely enough yeah, to they grind put, to level 10. They put the juice boxes mm. on some of those enemies right in their pelvis region. Yeah, mm. nice. So you're incentivized to shoot them in the junk. Or where their junk would be if they were human. Uh, more their bellies, but okay. Uh, I don't know where your junk uh, is, though. Ruining my fun. <laughs> was it Dead Space that had... Uh, it was the babies in Dead Space yes, 1 yes. and 2 that had the three stalks that came yes. out. That was really Horrible fun. tentacles. Hated those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were fun. Those were ammo sponges because they moved around just a little too much. But again, the game was, it wasn't about like spraying everything in the building. It was about like slowly taking out this one scary thing. And it was more difficult and more challenging. And um, I'm surprised. And I guess that worked for Dead Space because it, you know, was more atmospheric than it was explodey. But uh, yeah, I would would like to see some, this go back to another game because I think it can't not make you a better shooter. Giving you a different target over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Got to got to break those old habits. Mm-hmm. Call old. Call of Duty. Up. Bring bring out something where we have to shoot at uh, stocky aliens. Don't but, you mean modern warfare? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just called modern warfare. Yeah. Uh, you know, modern is modern warfare really that modern now? Because it's like ten years old. As long as I'm uh, using government resources and volunteer young men to steal a hard drive, mm, mm-hmm. it's modern warfare. Got to steal those hard drives. It's sold enough yeah. for the next version to just be called modern warfare instead yep. of uh, giving it a number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe just don't even call it Call of Duty. It's just modern warfare now. I always felt like they should kind of do that anyway. Mm, like It, it was the separate deal. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Number four. <laughs> Nice little musical cue for people who've been long-time fans of this series. Heard the eagle cry is is Mm. really what gave it away for Mm. me. I'll let someone (laughs) else guess. very familiar, especially that that jingle. Mm -hmm. Help me out here. Um, That jingle is usually timed with sinking a location Mm -hmm. in this game. Maybe climbing a tower. Oh, Mm -hmm. well, I know it's a Ubisoft game. (laughs) (laughs) You're really making an assassin out of yourself with this. And it's Assassin's Creed. Yes. And specifically, I think you're, this is you're talking about the, the, the scaling. The, in yeah, scaling game. and the free running. The like an open world game where it wasn't just about like you're walking through the streets, you're uh, you're experiencing life in Renaissance yeah. Italy or whatever. But like it, everything is a vertical playground. Mm-hmm. Everything can be climbed on. Every like every rooftop can be run across. Mm-hmm. I'd say more so now. I, that's one thing is you don't realize how much it's changed. But go back and play the original Assassin's Creed or Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed Two compared to like Odyssey even. And now they they let yeah. you climb 
anything, like, whether you see a foothold or not. And, and in those first few games, it, there was kind of an artistry to the design that, mm-hmm. like, you had to look for for handholds and footholds, and so yeah. like, yeah, you did. Every building huh. was kind of like a little miniature puzzle. puzzly, yeah, which was more like Tomb Raider style yeah. or even Uncharted would do that. And now it's just. If you see a thing, you can climb it. Yeah, There's, with with Origins and Odyssey, they just made everything yeah, climbable. Yeah, which is which actually, you know, I would say this was sort of recently uh, taken by Breath of the Wild. Yes, uh, but Breath of the Wild even was different in that you could kind of climb any surface, and then you had the grip meter. So mm-hmm. that was kind of combining. Was it the early Metal Gear games that had the grip meter? Yes. Where you Metal Gear Solid Two did. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that was kind of combining those two systems. Which there's a feature we could have put on our list is like the the fatigue grip meter thing. That's mm. that's bound to be copied mm. anytime. Is now. that really cool though? Like, is it that something annoying. you really want to have <laughs> pop up in a bunch of games? I, I think Breath of the Wild made it accessible, uh, uh, like acceptable, because you could climb anything. Yeah. You could right. immediately go anywhere, and yeah. you could upgrade that fatigue so that. It became, right. you know, who cares? Yeah, and, and the fatigue, like, in the early stages kind of kept you from just being like, I'm just going to fuck off over here to this advanced yeah, area so right over this everywhere. first hill. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like yeah. your mom being, now, now, you can't fuck off until you've had a little <laughs> bit of training. <laughs> <laughs> you just ate, sweetie. Sit down. Rest 15 minutes before you fuck off. Before you fuck off. and You're just like your father. <laughs> you got cocks and balls. You should be playing with them. Now I'm just <laughs> quoting Adam Sandler albums. <laughs> Right. Pull out your cock and balls and play with. Kristen Wiig did it the other night on SNL. It was great. But yeah, I mean this this is a feature that has been copied by. But I I think I can count on one hand the number of games that have tried to replicate this in any meaningful way. Because uh, playing with his cock and balls with his other hand. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because I, I remember prototype, you would just like run up walls. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was more like Spider Man. <laughs> just yeah. like, I'm just going to sprint up the side of the Empire State well, Building. Which, which started with the, that Hulk it, game, actually, mm, before yeah, prototype. Yeah. 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 Because animating uh, like ways to climb is difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. But, and I do love like with Assassin's Creed Origins and especially Odyssey, it's, it's just, uh, Evolved to the point where I feel like I'm replicating free solo on a regular basis. Just like, yeah, I'm just going to climb up this this giant stone statue and, uh, oh, what's this over here? I should probably not climb on this. (laughs) Was that the statue where, like, at the beginning of the game, they show the statue and you can climb on its dick and balls? You can climb on Zeus's dick. (laughs) One of the hosts on Square Roots, uh, Vanessa, likes to flood our private chat with pictures of her hanging off of all the balls and dicks oh, nice. for every statue Perfect. in that game. She's obsessed. Yeah, there's quite a lot. They, it's there's not like it's something I haven't wanted to in real life. They, they should, you know, change it up for like the those that are cleanly shaven. You can't hang on to as much as the ones with the hair right Ooh. there. That's true. You can't hang from the, the freshly shorn. <laughs> you should get a, a, a grip bonus on foreskin uh-huh. yeah. versus the, yeah. the circumcised. I think it was ancient I Greece. Some they diamonds had in foreskins. <laughs> but obviously, yeah, they, one of the more endearing things I think about, like uh, after the first game, starting with Assassin's Creed 2 on, uh, your climbing would elicit little uh, remarks of concern from the crowd. <laughs> oh! Like everyone, like everyone 
<laughs> He's going to hurt himself. <laughs> this is highly irregular. Yeah. <laughs> He's crazy. What's he doing? Yeah. I should do something to get in shape, too. <laughs> that was What's a favorite. mechanic? Cl- climb anywhere? Yeah, climb anywhere and then just parkour your way across... Yeah. Uh, the urban geometry um but i think yeah when i was saying you can count on one hand uh i think it's aside from assassin's creed it's uh breath of the wild shadow mm-hmm. of mordor and shadow of war and um horizon infamous. zero dawn oh, yeah. Watch, for infamous dogs but watchdogs pretty much is assassin's creed mm, so it doesn't have the same parkour or climbing mechanics like you can just kind of hop over things like, you know, obstacles in your way, but it you can't, like, scale a building like you would in Assassin's That's Creed. And Chris Chris oh. called out Infamous as well. But Infamous well, is I just remember is that being a debate when they came out, yeah. that, like, Infamous, you could sort of cheese your way up. Infamous every- felt more like Crackdown in that you were, you were like, jumping and grabbing onto things. Mm-hmm. You were jumping and grabbing onto things, and if there was, like, so much as, like, a pixel sticking out of a building, you could get an entire foothold on it, and your mm-hmm. entire body could stay there. Yeah, you could and, use it to jump off of it. And, and you would be almost magnetically drawn to any point, to the point where, like, if you're trying to do a jump and there's, like, a little uh, spindle of something in the way, you might just, like, get drawn off course and stick to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that that didn't really have the same climbing mechanics like you weren't just like spidering around had, on yeah a lot of grown-up arguments with the one-up guys about how much better it was mm. i remember that <laughs> but i do think the reason this mechanic's not wrong. <laughs> the reason this, this mechanic's not copied more is it's you have to then build a game for verticality and that means uh it's more expensive because yeah. you have to add in more assets you're basically having to build a whole other level on top and then yeah. on the sides yeah and, yeah. yeah i mean all, all of these things can except for maybe the dismemberment in Dead Space, can probably be boiled down to it's really expensive and hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would Mirror's Edge count, or do you think that's a different kind of parkour? Well, that though, I mean, that game is meant to have sort of lines, like the well, especially yeah. the sequel, it's like the optimal lines that you are supposed to kind of parkour over. Yeah. To, right. Again, it's not quite as quite as free form. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, like, yeah. Maybe in the sequel, but mm. I'm just glad it's progressed because, dude, I just recall so many times I got stuck. Like, you, you would get halfway up a building and not really know where that next yeah. grip point would be, and mm-hmm. slowly like rotate your uh, I forget which it, analog stick it is, yeah. like until you'd see like the hand pop out that animation, like oh, okay, he's reaching for something. There's something up there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was or, so or like annoying. you'd have to scoot down a few pegs. Yes, like, yes. Okay, it's over this way. It's to yeah. the right instead of the left. Was that a troll? I always felt like kind of the level. No. Designer was like I, messing with me. I think a that bit. that was part of the deliberate design. It was a puzzle, and you're supposed to to figure it out. And then, like, yeah, in in the the Ezio games, like you could get the uh, the special glove that let you like uh, jump up from a handhold and and grab something that's higher mm-hmm. above. So that mm-hmm. like opened up a whole new area of exploration. Or Syndicate with the um, the grappling, the rope launcher, the rope launcher, yeah, yeah. so good. It, it got rid of most of the climbing stuff and just was like, here, we'll take you right up to the roof right away. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was that. And then that also uh, was designed, I think, with uh, London's very wide streets in mind. Yes. It's like, yes. you know, it's no fun if you have to continually climb down and climb up and climb down and climb up. So if there's a big street and you just want to get across to the rooftops, you just shoot this line and slide over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that that's cool. And that that is something I would definitely like to see more of. Yeah, well, well, well there need to be more Assassin's Creed clones. I mean, the, the thing that's it, hand in hand with this, you mentioned the parkour mode, is the, the very few games. I think you can count you can count a few games that do the climbing thing, but a parkour button that literally is a different mode of running mm-hmm. that is, I think, absolutely unique to the Assassin's Creed series. Which is 
I think it's it used to be the left trigger, and it might have changed since then. It's but always been the right trigger. The right trigger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Games where it's just like hold down X or A right, or whatever. right. But yeah. it basically just literally puts not just changes the animation, not just changes your speed, but changes like the way your character will react to environments. Where if you're just running and you don't have that activated, he'll just kind of run into a wall. But if you have that going, mm-hmm. he's going to leap over low walls. If you see something like within reach above you, you're probably going to swing from it. Yep, yep. And kind of having that parkour mode is very unique. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's, it's it's still not as unique as what we're going to get into next. Number three. <laughs> Subject Which- on board. I'm only pissed Which off. Mario game is this? <laughs> I'm only pissed off you didn't use a clip of an animal getting Fultoned. Because yeah. that's some of the funniest shit in that game when you hear a goat like, <laughs> <laughs> That is Fultoning from Metal Gear Solid yes. 5. Mm-hmm. And, and this, it's not just Fultoning, because even though that's like, it's one of the most fun things to hit any game in like the last 10 years. Something that was introduced with Metal Gear Portable Ops was the idea that you could uh, see anyone in the game mm-hmm. and kind of see like, oh, what are their stats? What can they do? Mm-hmm. Do I want to? Do I want to make use of that? And you could uh, recruit them forcibly and <laughs> brainwash them at your secret base. And then you could make them fight for you or you could play as them. When it was first introduced in Portable Ops on PSP, uh, it was not nearly as much fun to uh, to steal those people, though, because you had to go through a rather involved process. Now, there's the sound of a body being dragged <laughs> and dragged. Oh, yeah. And thrown in a truck. Yeah, you got to throw him on a truck. <laughs> Sign these papers. <laughs> yeah. So then for five, they said, you know what? Just put some fucking right. balloons on that. Uh, guy. The, the, you got you got to give it to fucking uh, the Dark Knight. Skyhook, Mister Wayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, that made it. That made it all possible. Throw a balloon up in the air. Skyhook will get you. Right. Well, the, Skyhook will take you to Hong Kong, Mister Wayne. <laughs> well, the Fulton balloons, which by the way were introduced in Peace Walker, have a basis in fact. They mm-hmm. were actually used by, like, the CIA for extraction during covert operations. The thing is, you look at the real thing, and it's like it's like this huge, like, chair that you sit in, and uh, you have to deploy this... balloon boy thing? Yeah, this giant <laughs> balloon, and then uh, I guess there was, like, a special plane that had, like, c- could catch it in midair. You say that, and all I can think of is Batman 89 with the jet as it's collecting the Joker's balloons from the parade. That's basically it, yeah. You're imagining it correctly. Stay tuned for 302010, baby. You you clearly didn't upgrade your Fulton to the point where it introduced portals instead no, of instead I of balloons. the yeah. wormholes. Those were the, like, the whole basis for Metal Gear Survive. Yeah. It's like, where do these go? I bet it's a dimension full of crystal-embedded zombies. I just love sure. that it, was, it made complete sense because it's like, yeah, if there's a dude screaming going up into the sky, the other troops will notice him, and so the upgrade is, no, he's just going to go into this wormhole, no one will see him disappear. Yeah. It's great. I think you can develop quieter Fulton balloons, too, or at least faster ones. (laughs) So they they don't know, like, hey, shoot that thing down! We'll kill our own guy, it doesn't matter. Big boss won't get him. God, I just want to do a mod where it's a Wilhelm scream every time they go up. (laughs) Yeah! 
<laughs> I'm sure it this exists. This is a brain exercise. What other ga- games do you like the Fultoning in? I can't. I'm, I'm struggling to think of other games where you. And I know that where you recruit other people as you go. I mean, shit. No, Any that's that's what I'm saying. Like this really hasn't been yeah. replicated. Yeah, there, there are no other games. Certainly, no other games where you Fulton people. We were talking yeah, about but like what, what game would you like that in? Anything. Well, okay, so we actually mm. were talking about Assassin's Creed but, sort of starts to have this a little bit mm. in Odyssey with the ship system. Any elite, well, any guard, but you, you try to target the any, elites. Any mercenary. Anyone that's like, you know, a guard of anything. Well, yeah. You yeah. can knock them out and then recruit them and that's send them true, to your yeah. ship and they can yeah, be a ship right, lieutenant. Right. And all that really does, though, is add some passive abilities to your ship. Like, it might make I mean, the, there is an ability reloaded. that lets you call a lieutenant into battle. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which, which... But, we were talking about so what makes Metal Gear Five sort of unique is that Fultoning system plays into multiple game systems. Well, it's not only that; it's that you. It's not just you're Fultoning someone. Ha ha, that's fun. It's that anyone on the battlefield that you see, anyone at all, yeah. can be recruited. That you can you can steal them away, and they'll spend a little bit of time in your brig, and then they'll be working for you. They'll be a staff member. You can see them at mother base. Right. You can send them out on missions. You can play as them. It, it, like it, obviously, you'd want someone with really good stats for that, but you can just like say, yeah, this scientist that I rescued from this earlier mission, I'm going to play as her. I'm going to go into the field. I'm going to kick some ass. You guys can't it see can me. be done. You can't see me laughing, but what I'm laughing at is. Part of the system in this is once you've recruited them, the way you increase their loyalty to you in that game is you walk up and you put them in a headlock, basically. Or you smack them. And you smack them. You just smack them And they thank you for it. They love it. It It builds up their their loyalty to Big Boss. Because like, thank you so much for teaching me that lesson, sir. Uh-huh. It's so weird, <laughs> but I did it every single time I saw a guy. I'd be like, "Come here, you! Oh, I got gotcha. you." Is there like a, a, a culture of corporal punishment in nineteen eighties <laughs> Japan? Or yeah, it's sexy. I guess maybe. <laughs> no, but that, so yeah, you can go out on the missions as those guys, which I never did because if you had mm-hmm. to choose between Snake and some generic dude, you're going to go Snake every time. Yeah, but but sometimes more, it's fun. To the be more a annoying dude. use of that system is they were all the guys. That would staff your base for the PvP in mm-hmm. that game. So, you know, part of Metal Gear Solid 5 is you can invade other players' bases to steal their resources. And so once you reach a certain level, though, it became super fucking annoying because everyone's base had like 200 S plus ranked yep, guys yep, yep. who can like hear any movement and detect you. And it's just bullshit. And, it's, so, and that's really the hardest part of the system is is once you get to a certain point where like I'm not even not only am I not gonna bother recruiting uh, people who have less than like an S plus rank in every yeah. stat. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get rid of my old guys because this, oh they're just God. like sitting in the waiting room and there's like 200 dudes who've who're just sucking down my money and doing nothing. <laughs> the management through the menus, I just felt so guilty. I'm like, I am a CEO doing mass layoffs right now. This fucking sucks because mm-hmm. you're breaking them down for parts like like armor and destiny. <laughs> yeah. no, it's just, I, yeah, I'm just sending you home. You're you you're hereby go. banished yeah. from this secret base in the middle of the ocean near but, the Seychelles. But the queue was huge. You could hold yeah. like hundreds of them, so that you mm-hmm. technically don't have to let them go. But you only have so much room in like your R and D department, right? And yeah, your, your kitchen and everything. Oh, else. I loved it. I loved yeah. there was this game of oh this guy's really good at R&D I should put him in the R&D department mm-hmm. and um, but yeah I, I kind of like the system of when you're on the battlefield you would have to use your binoculars and it would identify guys and their rankings and stuff of like 
well, this guy's worth saving. This guy I can kill. I don't give a shit about this guy. Or this guy I'll just put to sleep and leave him there. But this yeah. guy I definitely want to steal. It, it, it adds. It added a really fun metagame. I mean, this is a game I put hundreds of hours into, and so I, I really played around with these systems a lot. But I really yes. love that. The Operation Paperclip DLC. <laughs> <laughs> it still doesn't have an ending. Um, just I was playing it for hundreds of hours waiting for that official Yeah, ending. wasn't there supposed to be some weird end game for this? Yeah, I think there was like a, a special disc that came with like the collector's edition or something where you could see that they'd done all this stuff for like there's going to be another uh, mission where like uh, Eli and the the child soldiers that you rescue, they all steal your metal gear and uh fuck off somewhere and you have to chase them down and fight eli in the metal gear and uh but that never came to fruition and i think konami insisted like no no that was never really meant for production we we consider it finished as is there are also a few endings tied to people's the the pvp online that we just never as a community unlocked like there was one cinematic that if everyone disarmed their nukes on their base, you would see it. But that, that was unlocked, even though it, it, nobody, no one did it. I think they finally hacked it. I think, and showed I think it or they something. got, yeah, they got close. Yeah, and, and maybe somebody just said, you know, that's close enough. Let's release this yeah. uh, this cutscene. Yeah, like a world without nukes. Yeah, like oh, it was so nice and hopeful, <laughs> but we know it didn't go down that way. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. One of my favorite aspects of the Fulton system, though, was, of course, the guy who explains it to you. Start bringing people in. Use this. It's a Fulton recovery device. When you're in the field, use it to extract any soldiers or prisoners you want back here. And we'll see if we can persuade them to join the ranks of Diamond Dogs. Go on. Test it out on the staff here. Anyone you want. Persuade them with these electric paddles that I have. <laughs> Anyone you want. Yeah. Oh, me, me, me. I'm Revolver Ocelot, and I'm a crazy-ass torturer, <laughs> even though I'm, like, super charming in this game. <laughs> He's very likable. He really is. Oh, man. Yeah, I tried to think. So, yeah, we talked about Assassin's sort of did it. Didn't Shadow... It wasn't Shadow of Mortar, but maybe Shadow of War had a thing where... You could recruit the, they, they both the orcs. Okay, yeah, okay. but that was. I, I guess it, it was similar, but a little bit different in that, like you, you had to unlock a skill and then like beat them down, and then you could brand them, maybe stealth brand them, and mm-hmm. once you brand them, then they're under your control. And I, th- I think war was more about like recruiting the army, and Mordor was like, I'm gonna send these guys out to uh, spy on these orc chieftains yeah, or yeah and you could you could i think have them fight the certain guys yeah, to try yeah, to yeah. assassinate other guys yeah it was a bit different but so. i totally you could see yeah. in assassins how they could have expanded that system particularly in uh, things like odyssey had that little sub game where you would send out i think this was started in brotherhood where you, you could like send out your assassins on missions basically yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. gather resources and metal gear did something similar with peace walker and portable ops that yeah. like yeah you could send them on basically little automated away missions and then they'd come back and yeah so you could you could easily see many more games doing this where you know the better dude you steal uh get you better rewards in those missions uh, but uh i don't know i don't know why more people don't do it yeah revolver ocelot played by uh troy baker who also factors into this next game number two i'm here to mine not hunt for scrap on mars scrap is like gold got your sledgehammer and charges Good. Let's see what you can do. 
Red Faction Guerrilla. Yeah. Yeah. Was an okay game with a fantastic <laughs> destruction mechanic yeah. that has never yeah. really been replicated no, since. No, the only one I can think sort of did it a little was Mercenaries. The Mercenary games had some but overworld that, destruction. That was, that was more... Like, it wasn't as detailed. That was like, yeah. oh, you call in an airstrike, this building... Yeah, no. Red destroyed. Faction was it was, yeah, it, was, it was scripted damage. Yeah, every yeah, time. yeah, yeah. It wasn't like physics damage. Red Faction was you're going to put a C4 charge on this column, and it was a physics simulator. Basically, it was yeah. you know. But what's funny is, I mean, the Red Faction series has always prided itself like its its differentiator was destruction, but the previous games, their whole thing was you can dig down into yeah. the ground, which then I think people realized. Well, that's really boring. There's nothing down there. You're just boring into yeah, the so, earth. Sometimes you know? it's just like, well, here's some uh, like a, a cave in that's blocking your way, and you can just blast your yeah, way through. Yeah. But like, yeah, that that was funny because the first couple games, it was like the dynamic was you can uh, do any damage you want to the terrain, mm-hmm. but you can't harm the level geometry. Yeah. And this was the opposite. It was like you can't really dig or touch the terrain, but yeah. you can blow the shit out of any building they figured out which one was way more fun for mm-hmm, a game mm-hmm. yeah, for sure and then i feel like the the sequel to this kind of dropped the ball there it did not have the same cool destruction yeah. mechanics at all i uh, yeah it's one of those things where it, i mean i'll be honest in a lot of open world games i get distracted very easily mm-hmm. and will soon just start dicking around with the systems yeah and red faction gorilla was perfect for that i i kind of have a suspicion that nobody made it through gorilla's story because it was just <laughs> so much more fun to wade through every building and and find inventive new ways to bring it down. Didn't it get you something too? I want to say it gave you some resources. Yeah, it gave you down. like oh, I finished it twice. Solid. Oh, did you? I stand corrected. <laughs> oh, there's the guy. There he is. <laughs> Please tell us more. Um, well, you get some cool weapons further in the story. Like the best one is the uh, I think it's like a nano rifle. Ooh, I remember that the would make parts of not just uh, buildings, but also like enemy tanks and planes disappear. Ooh. And the way that the the planes work, you could shoot off their wings and stuff in a really cool way. And uh, the physics was amazing. You could shoot off part of the wing and it would just plummet to the ground oh, nice. yeah. and make chunks of tanks disappear. And it was really fun. Oh, wow. And back then, too, I mean, this is when games were really just experimenting with physics. It was sort of a newer toy in game development. And so, uh, yeah, this game did stand out just for that one mechanic alone. Mm-hmm. And it, like you said, it was very easy to get distracted and just, you know, like, I, I remember fi- finding, like, an enemy outpost and just being like, I'm going to get this gigantic truck and just plow it straight through the front <laughs> yeah. gates and then, like, just do a drift in the middle of their front yard <laughs> yeah. and, like, just swing directly into, like, the support columns of this building. Hell yeah. <laughs> do it, like, blast core style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. No, I got Chris's attention with that one. I was sneezing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Blast Core style. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, because like every fucking game we took a preview for promised destructible environments, and this is the one like, no, this is this is probably what you wanted to do. Yep. Like, the idea of making making a game just out of that. And I don't remember playing any of the story missions, just the kind of uh, watching everything break. Um, how good did I do this? Yeah. It was like, it was like a... A better version of the hundred pin Wii bowling game. <laughs> like you just sit back and see what damage you yeah. do. I mean, I playing remastered uh, that edition. Like it, it was weird because like I don't remember if I made it very far in the storyline, and it's like, oh yeah, I did make it pretty far in the storyline. I just completely forgot it all because I was uh, obsessed with doing shit like this. All right, I'm at the base. Good. Use whatever you can to bring. 
We left some fuel tanks behind. I'd say I can't hear you. Too busy blowing things up. <laughs> and I, d- I do love that if you ran out of charges or weapons to blow stuff up, the default was you just had your pickaxe. And if you yeah. worked hard enough, you could well, take down any it, building. It was a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, yes. a sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could take down anything you wanted if you just hit it enough. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite memories with that game was uh, there's a lot of side missions involving rescuing hostages. And what you could do was steal an enemy tank, drive it through a building, mm-hmm. take the hostages into the tank, and then just drive off. Yeah. And that was the best way to oh, do it. Oh, so good. And that, that opened up so many possibilities for inventive gameplay. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, what, what Chris was saying, like a lot of games at the time were offering us this. Oh, and no. I, don't, I don't know how well you guys remember the, the pre-Xbox 360 PS3 era when they were like showing off those first demos. It's like... Look at all the cool physics that these games will let you play. But I, I remember, like one of the big things was like things will break realistically. Like if you if you uh, smash someone over the head with a bottle, it will break like a real bottle would and send a bunch of splinters out in random directions. We don't know where it's going to land. It could yeah. it could do anything. It has realistic properties, and I think they were showing that off with like. That Indiana Jones game that never happened that was just like a demo of Indy fighting some triad goons on top of a San Francisco uh, cable car. Mm. They they were also promising it for Force Unleashed, but I don't think that quite happened. I mean, this was the time when um, there was a company called PhysX, and their whole thing mm-hmm. was a dedicated physics card for PCs. Eventually, NVIDIA bought them and just started putting those chips on their, their graphics cards. Uh, and uh, so yeah. the tech was big enough where... People, like I was saying before, they were, they were just starting to play around with physics and, and really hype it up to the point where they were asking like for a couple hundred dollars of your money to make games better just to have this dedicated physics processing chip. It was wild, man. Oh, wow. Could it beat a Super FX? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make room. I had to take out my Sound Blaster card to uh, throw that one in there. I feel like Crisis had some destructible buildings, right? Mm, yes. Yeah, that sounds about right. If you had and the I right know, graphics uh, card, Renegade Ops oh. was pretty fun oh, yeah? for that. I don't know if you did. Any of you play that? It was basically like a GI Joe game, top down, a bit like Desert Strike, and you ran tanks through buildings, and oh. it was really great. That sounds like fun. No, I missed, I missed Renegade Ops. I recognize the name. It's an Avalanche game. But I'm I'm surprised. Like this, this made such a splash with the the, the destruction physics, and yet. Like, that didn't become a standard thing, and I, I don't really know of any other games that did this since. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's what we talked about is it broke the game in so many ways, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and yes, that can sometimes make for quote-unquote emergent gameplay moments, mm-hmm. or it can just fucking break your game, and it's really hard to plan like, around. Whoops, I broke yeah. this mission-critical bridge that I was supposed to cross <laughs> yeah. to the final boss. I guess I don't get to go there now. <laughs> and I think we might have seen more of Red Faction had THQ not gone under, and now mm. they've, they've resurged as, as THQ Nordic, and so yep. maybe we'll yep. see more. But uh, yeah, so that, and plus, you, like you said, the sequel to this game did not have the same reception, no. so the series was no. sort of dead in the water at that point. Yep. I did love the uh, challenge mode that was in Red Faction. That's what I, I um, spent my time unlocking was each one was like a crash mode in Burnout where you had a building uh, to oh, bring yeah. down. with A crash so breaker, good. yeah. Yeah, crash breaker is another good good feature that <laughs> could have made this list. But its own series oh, damn, abandoned yeah. for no reason. Uh, well, I mean, I never well, played Paradise. That's probably why it was abandoned. Oh, they're still. Oh, I mean, those guys great. are still making those games. Mm-hmm. You know, they just had that one from this year. Yeah, that was yeah. the all it was was the crash mode. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, in a yep. factory, real mm-hmm. fun. 
Yeah. Oh no, that was last year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. This year's game had racing in addition to some crash yeah. stuff. We're yeah. Yes. All right. That actually that makes my honorable mention is yeah the burnout games with the um, takedowns. Mm-hmm. Like why haven't more car combat games done or racing games done takedowns? Because it's a thing. Like look, if you're bad at racing games like me, you you bump into the other cars constantly, and burnout sort of rewarded yeah, you. Turn for that. that into a feature. Yeah, yeah. Give you extra boost for doing that. Hell yeah. Onrush sort of did that last extra year. Extra boost in the cool slow motion crash cams. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. They they did take that and put it in some of the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit games that are yeah. very undeveloped, but that yeah. someone yeah. plays. I've never played. I haven't played in any Need for Speed games over the years, but we do know some people play them. They keep yeah. making them. I, I don't know. They Great keep movie. making them for different fall. people every year, like a completely separate demographic every year, so it's difficult to know. <laughs> Seriously. Well, let's move on to our... Number one. Is this a challenge? Do you really think I will run out of inventive ways to kill you? I won't! You heard the man. Or the Uruk... Oh, Jesus. Okay. This is the Nemesis system. Yes. Like this, this is, in many ways, the inspiration for this top five, because mm-hmm. there's so many articles written about how come no one has stolen the Nemesis system. <laughs> yeah, if, if you Google uh, f- games with features that should be copied, like th- it's all just like, why hasn't anyone copied the Nemesis system? And this is the one. I, I remember when Shadow of Mortar came out, we all said, the game's good it's a decent assassin's creed like but mm-hmm. this nemesis system is really what puts it over the top and makes it super fun and yet yeah no one has so again sort of assassin's creed it's very sort assassin's of, creed s- well no i mean what i mean um assassin's creed odyssey sort of had a nemesis like system with mm. the mercenary oh, system yeah, this yeah, time yeah. but it's not the same no it's it's not the same i think i think a key part of the nemesis system is not just like there are these enemies that uh, will track you and you will run into them again in the world. It's that killing you gives an enemy a name and an identity. Mm-hmm. And they will recognize you the next time they see you. And sometimes you, you will kill them and they'll come back from the dead. And it'll just be like this nonstop thing. And I, yeah. I've heard things of like in Shadow of War, like... Holy shit, in the middle of the game, my nemesis from Shadow of Mordor showed up and started stalking me. Yeah, to the point where... Oh, wow, that's cool. There were they, it, A lot of people thought the system might be bugged, because the way it was supposed to work is if you completely chop their head off, that's supposed to kill them for good, and they should not be able to come back at but that point. But sometimes they do. And sometimes they would, yeah. yeah. But, but it's cool, and uh, I mean, to be fair, they do the same thing to you, and uh, often express surprise over it. Hello! No, 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 no. I killed you and you died. I told everybody it made this big feast and Asbror carried me on his shoulders. <laughs> you can't do this to me. <laughs> Who is that guy? And that's Kumail Nanjiani. He was one of the voice of one of the orcs. <laughs> I didn't orcs. know that. <laughs> that's so great. And he's got a bunch of, that's, that's from Shadow of War that he, okay, he was in. Okay. And uh, yeah, he has a bunch of quotes. You can look them up on YouTube. This is another great one. Um, hey, hey, hello. Now. Why would a Gondorian come here and try to murder all of the orcs? Maybe you have a problem with one orc. Maybe a hundred. But oh, all of us? <laughs> Maybe the problem is with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how far from the movies or even the, the Tolkien source material have we gotten? Like, if you watch the orcs in those movies, they're not talking like that. Well, like, but but at the same time, like, if you read the books, like, the orcs in that are actually 
fairly intelligent and speak in complete sentences as opposed to like the movies are like meat's back on the menu boys and yeah this this is a little bit closer to how they were portrayed <laughs> and originally i get i mean hey they are corrupted elves so that, yeah, yeah yeah exactly you know at one point i guess they I'm would have talked this and uh, yeah i mean i guess they would have had that kind of intelligence but no i so I think there's a couple of reasons the exact nemesis system hasn't been able to be copied. And one is in the shadow of Mordor shadow of war games, there's an in lore reason why you can keep coming back to life after mm-hmm. they kill you, which yeah. is you're possessed by this spirit, you know, yeah, you're, you're basically and, undead and you're, you're linked right. to this wraith. Right. And, yeah. and so the big part of, of that whole system is, you know, most games sort of pretend you don't die when you die. They don't acknowledge mm-hmm. it. Whereas in this game, it's it's built into the game. This guy killed you. And what's cool, not only does he get a name, there's an entire hierarchy of orcs as part of the nemesis mm-hmm. system where if you kill orcs, you can kind of work your way up to l- the ladder to get, you know, higher, higher power orcs. But if they kill you, they will sort of go up that ladder. Yes. And the other part of it is you can also pit orcs against each other to yeah, you can, make them you go can up that ladder. Mind control them like we yeah. talked about earlier. Yeah. And and like what you you can put your mind controlled orcs into the hierarchy yeah. and have them fight other guys. Or you can have it so that like they'll show up to attack uh one of your targets as you're attacking him. Or you can make it so like all of this guy's bodyguards that yes. I'm after, all this war chief's bodyguards oh my are my guys. Yeah. And when the time is right, I'm going to show up and I'm just going to order them all to kill him at oh, once. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So I think I think the you coming back to life bit definitely is helps with that system because otherwise, how do you explain that they've they've moved up in hierarchy for – I guess you could say they knocked you out and that moved them up instead of killing you in mm-hmm. other games. But I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. But I, I think this game wouldn't work as well without yeah. that mechanic of you continually coming back from the dead. Like it kind of started with that. I I've think. also wondered – and I, I mean to be honest, like I don't think we did a ton of research into legally if there's there's copyrights filed for some or, of these things. But maybe or that's a trademark took millions system? of dollars to develop and didn't recoup their, their budget at all. Hmm. Yeah. Well, no, the, the first I mean, game it did well enough to get a sold sequel. Well. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know how that works. That type of game has to have a sequel in order to make sense of all the money they spent developing the first one. Mm. But but maybe that's it. I don't know. Like maybe it's such a difficult the system. It's it's a triple A thing. With, you need a triple A budget just to embark on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, it, it is such a cool system, and it's one everyone talks about, and and it's it's really what you remember about Shadow of Mordor. Yeah. At least it's that system. And apparently, it wasn't even in the. It either wasn't in or, like, there was a dumbed-down version of it in the PS3 360 version. Yes. Hmm. There were certain things you couldn't do in the in the previous-gen games mm-hmm. that, that made it... It actually... I think it affected their review scores. Yeah. Like, because they were... And people were wondering, well, what is it about the, the newer, at the time, consoles that let you do this that you couldn't do? Like, was it something with memory and, and all of that stuff? Better so computing that, guts. There it is. Yep. There's got to be more some kind know? of overhead for tracking... You know the AI of the those bad guys, but I don't oh, know yeah. how. Not a programmer. I do mm, feel yeah. like uh, those games. If they wanted to go for a third one, there's two things they could steal. Mm-hmm. One is from Warcraft. Uh, they should have hotter orcs to be boyfriends, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, yeah, two yeah. from mm-hmm. Persona, mm-hmm. romanceable orcs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go. I mean they go hand in hand, really. Because why would you yeah, want exactly. a romance and not a hot orc? Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, you've, you've got to have like a party of hot orcs that uh, you, you go into their um, psyches and 
confront their shadows, get get at the <laughs> issues that are really holding them back from becoming whole orcs. And you are uh, yeah. describing a game I would buy day one. <laughs> Wait, are they, are these half orcs or orcs? Because you said becoming whole orcs. Well, know? I mean, like becoming whole people, but they're orcs. So <laughs> I mean, that could just get confusing, you know? <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, "Wait, do you, do you think I'm a half orc?" <laughs> Some of those orcs would get very offended. If Absolutely, they heard you say that. but like like hurt offended. They right. they have depth, right? And vice versa, mm-hmm. by the way. You yes. don't want to call a half orc a full orc. They'll be like, "What are you? Yeah, no, what are you talking you, about? You, you can't just erase." my human side <laughs> wow <laughs> what <laughs> we are romancing we just, and you could you know go wrong yeah. by calling them the wrong thing i, I could totally mm-hmm. see that working yeah yeah, yeah there, there is a kumail nanjiani quote where like he, he he's he asks you some sort of question about like what would appeal to a tark uh no offense <laughs> a, tar- a tark is like their name for humans uh, okay it's derogatory. Because I, I didn't love the first game. If he's in the second mm. one, I love Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, know. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's I he's, he's not like that. a consistent character. He's just like one possible voice for an orc or that you might meet at some point. Yeah, and the way that system works is, yeah, you may not you may, you may not, not meet ever. him. <laughs> yeah. I, I never have, but I know really? he's in there. Oh, yeah. man. But I, 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 I played through maybe a third of that game, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a lot more left to do. Yeah. So that's that's been the top five. But uh, you guys, when I ran this by you, uh, John and Chris both like you had a ton of great ideas. A um, ton. Well, you. I said, you, I, I Chris, said Mark Chris of Cree. had one. Yeah, Mark of Cree, like that that targeting system. Where it's just like you use the what was it you use the the you, right you stick ping, to you use a right stick but like say you ping out something on a radar you swing the stick around and it creates it sends this beam around and assigns each enemy a specific button on your controller so you can mm-hmm. choose who to attack uh, yeah. in what order mm-hmm. and it was a really interesting I think it was so interesting they they copyrighted the shit of it so nobody could steal it mm-hmm. who do I brutally stealth kill that that actually makes me think of one I hadn't brought up with you before but I always sort of thought. Uh, people would take for honors a melee system and adapt oh, yeah, that. That's a good one. I, I think, you know, it, it took a lot to get a lot of people's heads around that system, but I really, I think that's the right way to do sword combat in a game. Yeah. That, that sort of like directional fencing directional. Yeah. And then you your right stick affected how you were even holding your sword mm-hmm. in which way. Yeah, and there, your there, there are three and, stances. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And you have to match your opponent's stance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of stances, I think, I think John, you had another one from a certain fighting game that took advantage of stances. Right. I, I definitely think the Bushido Blade damage system. Mm, or yeah. if you want to say the Tao Feng damage system, I would go with that too. Mm-hmm. Of You'd have to be disabling limbs, which relates to dead space, but yeah. I, I loved it. And the instant kill. That was really the, uh, yeah. the thing with Bushido Blade. It's a fighting game where you could kill someone in ten seconds. That is such an obvious thing. Like there's so much love for Bushido Blade. And like, not even the creators of Bushido Blade would bring that formula back. We got like, we got Kengo, which is nothing like Bushido Blade. Yeah. And like, there's there's no. I mean, maybe maybe there's like one or two. I feel like there was a game a few years ago. Was, I was like, this is like Bushido Blade, where it's like a one hit kill fighting game. Was it but Towerfall? Maybe. No. I thought Dive Kick was one hit, one hit, and then you. Hmm. Yes. Maybe. But I, I think part of the of. reason they haven't, and I wonder if this if this is just the. The fact that fighting game success is so tied with the competitive community nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Bushido Blade would 
spawn a big competitive community. Like not, I'm not saying that there's a lot of luck involved with the one hit system. It's just maybe it doesn't make for compelling matches or something. They like made a, for very compelling matches. I, I just I don't recall a big fighting game community founding around the Bushido. Yeah, how are you going to sell energy drinks in uh, in Mad Cat's <laughs> controllers? Yeah, when when one dies every ten seconds. It's it's for the soccer fans out there, right? Because yeah. like in the the best matches are the ones where you go like ten minutes without either person making a move. Yes, and you're just trying to. Center, center best is the wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just sizing each other up, knowing that like the first swing could be your last. The most I say intense. that as a huge soccer fan. Nobody, uh-huh. nobody fucking get mad at me. <laughs> the most intense game of footsies in any fighting game ever uh-huh. is in Bushido Blade. Absolutely. Yeah. People were telling me uh, Sekiro really captures some Bushido Blade feelings, a little bit. But a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the, I mean, it's not one hit kill, but like, yeah, the the. Uh, combat is extremely fluid and you can do a lot of damage and have a lot of damage done to you yeah. in a very short amount of time. Yeah, Neo also has the stance thing where there's like a high stance, mid stance, low stance in Neo. Neo. Right. Yes. Yeah. That we established Sekiro last week. Made, uh, made me think about the Marker Cree system again because like if you ever get surrounded, like I really wish I could just assign buttons to certain ones, certain, ugh, a couple of you and just take you in what order I wanted. Well, yeah, and talk about, like, some of these, that was a huge part of their marketing. Mark, Mark of Cree in particular, I remember, like, that's what they were hyping up, is we have this really unique targeting system and combat system in our mm-hmm. game, to the point where you're like, wow, you're really emphasizing this, you're trying to build this foundation to have future games do this. Also, this game looks like a Disney cartoon, but horrifically violent. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. It's one of the best games, it's one of my favorite games ever, and uh, most of the world hasn't heard of it. Boo-hoo! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, Mark of Cree is amazing. Rise of the Kasai, less so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I haven't played that one. <laughs> Michael, you had one that we, we had trouble sort of nailing down what the system was, but it was the climby stabbiness of yes. Shadow of the Colossus. Where... Yeah, let's let's call it the bosses as giant climbable level geometry. Yeah. Because that, yeah. that's something, again, like that, that's, uh, that game was hugely praised for what it did with its... Yeah. It's basically a boss rush with a lot of empty exploration in between, and yet it's beautiful. And each one of those fights is utterly memorable. And uh, you know, it's it's just like here's a here's a giant thing. Okay, figure out how to climb it. Figure out where its weak spot is. I and, remember. I mean, we did that whole show about yeah. giant bosses, and we had but, trouble but finding games then, like yeah. Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, some of the, some of those felt like cheats, and some yeah. some of them yeah. were very clearly homages to it. Like I think there's a Castlevania level where you're climbing around on like this flying Draco Lich and mm-hmm. like yes this absolutely feels like it was inspired by Shadow of the Colossus yeah other things less so like Dragon's Dogma and Monster Hunter it's like well you're just hopping on top of a monster I think we basically. put didn't we put Yotun or uh, Yotun yeah. on that and it, Maybe. And I'd, I'd played that game afterwards, and that's just like, it was just massive bosses, and you yeah, had like this tiny little speck on the screen. I don't think screen. you climb bosses. You don't. You don't. That's, you, that's that the thing. A is that was one, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah and then, uh, John, you had one more. Uh, tell us about Metropolis Street Racer. What system did that one have? This was just a uh, a weird way of, of interpreting time of day, because it was a racing game, and it was based on your Dreamcast system clock. So whatever time of day it was in your time zone would be the time of day. It would reflect, like, so if it's evening in San Francisco, then it would be morning in Tokyo, and mm. then mid-afternoon in okay. London. Which, oh, God, I thought I would be, like, permanently shamed by playing at, like, <laughs> 3 in the morning. Well, that's so I, that actually made me think of another game that um, uses a similar thing, Animal Crossing, with the time mm, system. Right. And I think the problem with those systems, if you're not 
cheating and time traveling is guys like me, like I kind of play games at a very specific time of day for the most part. It's once my family's all asleep. Mm -hmm. And so that would suck for me because I only see the same shit over and over in that game. I I think that's one of the reasons why Boktai didn't really catch on. (laughs) Go play outside. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can't see the screen. You mean, you mean gamers aren't going outside and playing in the sun all the time? (laughs) Imagine that. This predates coffee shops. Yeah, we weren't. We didn't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Also, speaking of daylight, uh, Splinter Cell and Thief with the whole right. Like we were talking about how like this is this used to be a more common thing, but like hiding in shadows in stealth games. Yeah. Like there's been a lot of stealth games, mm-hmm. but I felt like I was t- telling you I thought Splinter Cell was the pinnacle of I'm using light as part of the stealth to the point where Splinter mm-hmm. Cell had a little light meter. Like you're yeah. you're hidden, you're you're half hidden, you're fully hidden. And then other games since have they've done stealth, but for the most part nowadays it's you're in the bushes, you're in the mm-hmm. tall grass, and they mm-hmm. might have an icon that says, "Oh, you're you're not visible here." Yeah, but not I don't I can't think of any games recently other than maybe the the latest Thief that uses right. light and says, "No, you're actually hiding because you're just in complete darkness." I think Metal Gear Solid Five started to do it a little bit. Yeah, where if you were inside a building that was kind of dark, mm-hmm. it was harder for them to see you. Yeah, and, well, I mean, mo- modern games do that too, like. Assassin's Creed. If you're out at night, enemies have like lower visibility. Yeah, like, they, they can't see yeah. as far. Their but cone of vision is. It's reduced. not the same as like, oh, here's like a patch of shadow. I'm just going to crouch here, and yeah. nobody's going to see me, even though they're like walking right past. And, and you know, Splinter Cell really prided itself on that light technology, which nowadays, when we're talking like things like ray tracing, you think some game, maybe even a new Splinter Cell, but you, you think some game would take advantage of that and get back to that system. I mean, people as a whole have sort of gotten away from stealth games, though, so that's probably why. But mm, um, good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, Splinter. Like Splinter Cell, I remember that first Splinter Cell was so hard to wrap my head around. Oh, I. It even gave loved you a meter it. when you were not when you like a visibility, but it was it was fucking hard to like figure out how to navigate within the shadows, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, show. I think I think it's an example of something that might have been too complicated for the average person. <laughs> Every oh, game kind of dumbed down. You tell me. Every kind of game kind of simplified. I think what was really complicated I mean, about the first one. Manhunt really did. In that, like, if there was just like patches of shadow, and you could just go stand in any of them, and like enemies wouldn't even enter the shadow. Yeah. Well, and then I think what Splinter Cell did really well was they let you shoot out lights and establish mm-hmm. shadows, mm-hmm. and then in later games the enemies would say, "Oh, this light was on before. Something's going on in here." So it would kind of put them on the default state of alert, but they still couldn't see you. So. You're right. Yeah. Another thing I loved that Manhunt did was if you, for some reason, wanted to play with your microphone <laughs> oh, the plugged headphone. in, yeah, yeah. the enemies would hear you if you screamed or uh-huh. yeah. made noise. Well, you, no, the guy, that. too, in your ear. There, there was yeah. the guy telling Stark you the weather would give you. Yeah. It, it, was, it was more immersive that it way. It was really disturbing. <laughs> and then wasn't it End War that you could give issue commands yes. with your headset? Yes. Yes. <laughs> also, and, Lifeline. And in uh, yeah. Mass Effect 3, if you had a connect, you could... Uh, uh, choose conversation options by saying them so you could be really role-playing. Oh, <laughs> I have to go now. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is like, why were you in there talking like a woman? Because I'm Fen Shep. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking I have to go now. Fen Shep always, forever. Because I want to sleep with Jacob. Why don't you get off my back? <laughs> I'm really blanking on, uh, speaking of games that played with light, it was before Alan Wake. It was one where you were teenagers and it was couch co-op in a, in a high school and you could open windows to get light to kill the enemies. Is that obscure? 
Yes. Jesus. It was a very yes, obscure game. Uh, but I can't what's remember. the name of the game? Almost as obscure as that reference. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was like a series that like nobody remembers, but like yeah. just the teenager's horror game. Like, oh, yeah, it's probably obscure. I think more games would use... That light use... mechanic was really fun. Mm. Like, you would smash open windows to... Uh, to get light on the uh, enemies. And it was couch co-op survival horror, oh, which wow. you never really see. That's you know. true. You know, you talked about Alan Wake. I think more games would have used that whole flashlight system had it not been such blatant product placement for, like, Energizer batteries. <laughs> I think it was Duracell. Dur- yeah, it was some battery. Yeah. It, was, it, it was, was bad. And <laughs> Thermos brand Thermos. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the DLC <laughs> episode. It was like a Verizon ad. Like, can you hear me now? Can yeah. you hear me now? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Well, that's been our top five. And then some uh, on that note, we're uh, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Get scratching. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30 2010. Here's a clip from 1999. Yes. <laughs> April 23rd. Yes. Global holiday. Global holiday for the, technically the 30th anniversary of a little show called Baywatch, but mm-hmm. in the form of a TV movie. Right. is a pilot TV movie, so they knew they were starting out with a bang. <laughs> with such a Sharknado title. David Hasselhoff, Parker Stevenson, Panic at Malibu Pier, Sunday. Wow. Yeah. You didn't say the Baywatch part of it, but it's in the logo. Yeah. Oh, that's so strange. And that would go on to be a... a Probably one of the oddest global phenomenons I've ever lived through. Yeah. I understand boy bands and action movies, but the whole world loving Baywatch is very strange. I mean, I think it makes sense because it is yeah. so quintessentially American and so, so quintessentially so California. Like, like Star Trek, like, ooh, look at this awesome pier, this beautiful well, yeah. beach. And it's, yeah, it's muscles and wonder what their police look like. beaches. <laughs> yeah, like, why wouldn't Hot. the lifeguards be the hottest people yeah. in the world? No, everyone's knees, knee is visible. It's strange. You're I love it. Fighting beach-based crime. Let's go back to those shorty little swimsuits for men. No, oh. no, thank you. Yes. Mm-mm. Above the knee? Or it's not for me. Mm-mm, I don't want anybody to see my Lost tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean they are about the TV show Lost, or they are lost under your body? Yeah. Hair? So no, it's no, it's all from the J.J. Abrams Lost. I got the smoke monster, Walt, polar bears, a bunch of stuff. I didn't get resolved. Jump into the past with thirty twenty ten every Thursday on LaserTimePodcast dot com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to our final segment where we will take no time to acknowledge yappy dogs or car problems as we dive headlong <laughs> into this thing that is not informed by Break Talk at all. Break Talk, which is our sequel to Car Talk. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt, tell me, uh, do you like PlayStation VR? I do like I do. the PlayStation VR. Chris, do you like the London Heist demo that was included in that Worlds of Wonder or whatever it was disc? 
Yeah. Shit. Was that was that the one with uh with was that the one with Ron Weasley? No, that's the one I thought he was referring to as well. No, that thing is not good. That that was that was the snatch demo. It was it was like a oh, snatch VR. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is this is uh so London Heist is a legit short experience by the people who did the getaway and the getaway black monday and gangs of london and so they this uh, this week released blood and truth for playstation vr which is very similar it is a very very pretty looking vr experience Mm -hmm. um it's a little bit on rails but you are a uh a former sas operative turned uh British thug, part of a crime family, and you've you've got to go and kill other thugs. You've now become a level six Statham. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I spent a bunch of time playing this last night, and it is like I said, it's very pretty. Yeah, it's very fun. It feels oddly like a Disneyland experience yeah. where you're like going through and like okay since you, you can't have full freedom of movement as a vr thing uh you're kind of dashing between these cover points and then shooting a bunch of dudes and it's very like oh there he is get him and then like all these dudes just like flood out and run in front of you and things like that so you're just oh. shooting at shooting at actors who are you know doing motion cap performances at you yeah and it's got um as a framing device you're being interrogated by uh the the famous British British actor Colin Salmon, uh, who was uh, he was one in the Resident Evil movie. Uh, I don't know of any, and he was also in uh, the Aziz Ansari show Master of None as just a guy named Colin. I like that show when you were allowed to say that. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had to get Colin as Salmon because Don Marlin was unavailable uh-huh. at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's a fish right. joke. I got it's a fish joke. But it's um. So a lot of it is uh, gunplay or like you're doing these little puzzles where it's like, yeah, you have to pick a lock. And and what it does when you have to pick a lock is like it just automatically folds out your tool bag and tells you like, here, pick up these things, stick them in here, turn them this way. We'll show you. And yeah. But you were telling me, though, and you you mentioned the on rail stuff. Mm hmm. It sounds like a light gun game in a lot of ways, and I think you were like even crisis. saying, yeah, yeah, it's like time. <laughs> but you were even bit, saying when you play with the move, like yeah. this game definitely so would yeah, be better with play, move play it with move. Yeah. That's my recommendation because I tried playing it with a controller as I couldn't find my move controls and they weren't charged up anyway. <laughs> but uh, playing it with a controller. Your controller represents both of your hands, so you have this weird experience of seeing like these disembodied hands floating around close together <laughs> that keep moving in relation to each other, and it's 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 like you're handcuffed the entire time. I'm just thinking of the Kristen Wiig character with the tiny little hands like reaching out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like that, and there were points where it, like you can you can hit buttons on the controller to like make your character do various hand signals like you can throw up horns or you can uh, flip someone off of course and and, and at, at times like you there's bits where you're like sitting with your brother in the car as he's like driving you from the airport and you can reach out and like touch different controls like hit the emergency blinker lights or change the direction of the the AC vent or not annoying at all when no, someone's no, driving and, <laughs> and I just kind of like started reaching out and like trying to grab his face but he didn't react at all so <laughs> total emergency breaker. I will say also playing with the controller makes it kind of difficult to aim accurately because in order to really aim accurately you have to actually look down the sights of your gun. Oh. You can you can just sort of kind of guess and and aim but I I was not very accurate doing 
than that. Yeah. And and yeah, you look down the sights and you will actually see like a holographic crosshairs that pops up and lets you be accurate. So which which is why yeah the move controllers would be much more natural for that. Yeah. When you get an SMG and you can just uh, spray and pray like that's that's really good. Nice. So y- as you're describing this to me, it sounds like this really fun experience. Mm-hmm. But then I started to ask myself, would I want to do this more than once? Because it does seem like a thing where you're going to see almost everything that first time through. I mean, there are little hidden things uh, as you're going through. Like, you know, if if it's a part where it's like puzzly and you have to like manipulate objects or open drawers and things, you might find like a secret little thing that gives you... um, like, oh, I, I found this little sculpture in here, and that gives me, like, stars. And you can exchange stars for things like uh, a laser sight to make aiming easier. Okay. Oy, oy. There, there is a comfort mode, which I didn't try, that apparently does add a laser sight that you can just activate from the beginning. It's a London heist, so you can, also inside the game is an unlockable, complete dizzy game. <laughs> One assumes. Um, I will say the guns are very, very detailed. Like I spent a certain a lot of time just like kind of holding them up to my face and studying them. It's like this looks like the real thing. This is kind of amazing. You can modify them and spray them. Typical whatever. American. Michael is an yep, avid totally. NRA uh, yep, supporter. Yep, by absolutely. the way, he loves his guns. <laughs> how how long wow. is the experience though? Would you say is the full I'll, campaign? I didn't play through the whole thing. Ah. Um, I played it for like a couple of hours and. It I I guess what what I'm getting at is this. Yeah. So so this is forty dollar mm-hmm. product. Um, mm-hmm. I might be wrong here, but I think people I know myself I do. I have a problem paying forty dollars for most VR experiences, especially one that seems to be yeah. on rails. Like the value prop there just doesn't necessarily add up to me. Yeah, Astrobot is like it's, it's very game. much a game though, and it's like a platformer, and there's lots of hidden like little robots to discover and stuff. So I think Astrobot does earn that 40 for most people but i i think this is i'm not specifically talking about uh blood and truth this is more of a broad general vr statement but i don't think necessarily we figured out the best business model for vr experiences like this like this to me sounds like something that would be amazing for me to like rent an evening spend maybe 15 dollars do it and then put it away and never have to do it again versus spending $40 for this thing I'm going to own. Like, I, I know I know it's PlayStation. I know they're not dying to add a Game Pass, but I do wish they would for VR because mm-hmm. they are... Like, I traded in a bunch of shit to get this. Uh, I, <laughs> I understand that early adopters have to pay the price. These are very high prices. And yeah. I know what you're saying, but I wish there was a Game Pass for VR. Like, just I could give you, like... 10 bucks a month and like play these experiences like like not on like a Netflix was it is a fun hour was I feel good yeah it does feel, feel like this is maybe VR's attempt to create something like a Call of Duty where it's like yes it's very straightforward and directed and linear but I mean it's getting some pretty high reviews I'm looking at the Metacritic now mm-hmm. it's sitting at around an 80 which is pretty good and I I can't imagine it would get that score if people didn't if people felt like they'd been shortchanged by the experience yeah and I know it's a bit unfair because I, I know the development cost on these things isn't necessarily any less than other games. Right, and so, right. like, why should I think you should charge less for this experience? But it's just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact that VR sessions, for me, they have to be a little bit shorter because I can't wear that thing comfortably for a very long time. It just, it doesn't feel the same as when I'm laying down $60 for a game I'm going to, you know, play 100 hours or spend 100 hours playing. So, I don't know, but... um it's this seems like a lot of fun for me. Me personally, I I would probably 
have to wait till this would go on sale to say, okay, I'm going I'm to try that thing out now because it, it sounds like a kick-ass playable movie is, mm-hmm. is, is really – and you say the production values seem high enough. They're very high. It's yeah. awesome. And, and I, I will only say like conversely, we just had Memorial Day weekend and you know, where I live now, like I have – Tons of no- way more non-gamer friends and family come over than ever before. And I have to say, not a single family member has ever come over to my house and be like, can I play Can I play your PlayStation 4? They all want to play PlayStation VR. Yeah, that's true. And it becomes this huge hit with like when the family comes over, which is, again, a new thing to me. And I, like if anybody knows any at U- anybody at Ubisoft, uh, they had the Eagle Flight game for like five bucks on sale and I forgot that my dad has spent most of his life protecting and like studying and looking at creepily through binoculars bald eagles and he got the ability to play as one it was kind of like mind melting to see my dad like what I can play as a bald eagle it's more creepy if he's looking at eagle balls through his binoculars I just I I, like he but that's the thing like VR like there there isn't a game I could have shown him that he would have given a shit about but he's like living through this thing he's which has sort of been his profession what about underwater you should show your game all these underwater games they have yeah yeah yeah, but like he was like I I actually filmed it and like thought about sending it to people who made Eagle Flight like my dad really liked this game where you play as a fucking eagle in France they'd probably appreciate it yes yeah yeah it was, and like and he's a he's a guy who would never normally play games and was completely transfixed and mouth agape the whole time it was it was i don't know it was pretty it was pretty heartwarming and that's why like uh i'm always more excited i i tend to make more purchases for psvr these days than regular games mm-hmm. just because i'm dying to see what and I, and I know what you're saying matt it's it's always too pricey i buy a lot less and play a lot less as a result of that mm-hmm. the price mm-hmm. the price increase in the nature of VR. Yeah, I, I mean, I spent 40 on on Tetris Effect, and I, I did feel like I got my $40 worth of that because it's like one of the best ways of playing Tetris I've ever experienced. But I don't know. There's something with VR. I just have this mental block. It's really tough for me to justify going 40 to $60 on that stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons you – I don't – has there been a VR product that's been 60 the full 60 yet? Mm, you possibly. know, I haven't seen anything at all. I don't I mean, know. Maybe, was, maybe was Farpoint Doom. at 60 I think it might have been, but I think they kind of know that. Like you, you see most of the stuff coming out at forty, so they they definitely know something where people aren't willing to pay that full price. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, I would love because VR is an experimental medium. I would love for them to experiment with some business models on this and see if we can yeah. come to some okay. happy medium. Like like you said, Chris. Like put put PSVR as part of PlayStation Now as part of that service. Maybe as an add on. It's like if you pay, spend five bucks more a month, you get access to all this stuff. I'd be down what for we that. Need. Uh, well, since we're talking about PSVR, I should say that Trover Saves the Universe is also coming out this Friday. Oh, goodness. The Justin Roiland Yeah, we haven't yeah. played it, but it is Justin Roiland. And, uh, <laughs> his, I, I know very little about it, but his last VR joint, uh, Accounting Plus, is amazing. I think everyone should play it, and uh, I, I hope for something even cooler from this. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gee, oh gee. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't love the Rick and Morty game. I was pretty shocked by how much Rick and Morty had my number that I paid for that thing. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, you just grabbed that thing, Morty. Oh, the exhilaration of grabbing that thing, Morty. Oh, that's so good, Morty. I couldn't get into it. Accounting Plus was more like this weird thing where you went like from one game into another game into another game, like these these Inception like layers, yeah. where like. 
to the point like th- th- there was one where you like in a back alley with like these these young punks and it's like hey, you gotta you gotta prove that you're badass to be in our fucking gang what are you gonna do to prove that you're badass and it's like oh he's picking up that adult beverage he's gonna drink the adult beverage oh he's drinking the adult beverages you're like just like tipping this beer can over into what you assume is your mouth or, like, he's he's looking at an adult magazine oh my god no don't do it man don't do it you're like just spray paint a dirty word on the wall Hell yeah yeah it's I, great. I'm it's looking great. forward to it, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. I will definitely check out Shrover. Yeah. Man, and by the way, I need to renew my weed subscription. I say is my best Johnny Carson. Had to say that for the kids out there. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, You're, of course, referring to your gardeners who come every yes, week to, yes. to weed to, your to lawn. Weed lawn. Yes. Saro? Oh, he's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Total War of Three Kingdoms is out on PC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? What is with the Three Kingdoms? It always comes back around in games. <sighs> yeah. Well, they're but, constantly romancing each other. This, this, so, is, uh, this is Sega seriously stepping on Koei's toes here. Like... I, I always thought that Koei was like the only one allowed to do Romance of the Three Kingdoms games, and yet here's Sega. Well, I think the key, Three Kingdoms is is like Journey to the West. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a just novel. Like it's a, a novel. novel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I at first thought I said, oh, maybe this is a partnership with them and Koei, where this is sort of a they, license. They don't deal. have to. It's it's a uh, it's public domain. Public domain right? is hell. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's I just mean, that, Nobunaga. He's ambitious. What are you going to yeah, do? Yeah. It's just that only Koei has <laughs> bothered to do these things, but like. Well, the, one of the first reviews of this that I read was saying, like, it's not only the best Total War game, it's also the best Three Kingdoms game. It's like, oh, shit! Oh, shit! Gone the throne! And, and that means fucking nothing to me. Like, great. <laughs> All those Dynasty Warrior games, man. Uh, yeah, it sounds amazing mm-hmm. if you weren't me and don't like either of those things. Mm-hmm. So, um, I will say, so it... I, I've never really played a Total War game before. I did play this. Uh, it it sort of mixes up like turn-based uh, global strategy where you're like on a big map of China. You have to manage resources. You have to vie against other rulers. And sometimes right. they'll come to you with like, hey, let's start a trade deal together. Uh, things like that. And then you can go move your you army call him somewhere. a loser and a little girl and say he's yeah. too fat. So yeah. I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just taking cues from our current Start league. a trade war. Yeah. You have to... <laughs> <laughs> You have to build up like towns to to grow your population so that you can recruit more troops and then you can take those troops and you can attack other troops. And uh, this is the part where for me, it's just like, I, I don't know that this genre is really for me because it's like the, the second battle that I participated in, it was like, okay, I'm marching my army onto this big map. Here's this giant strategic hill right in front of me that like, I could probably put this to some sort of use and uh, I see my enemies hiding in like this this forest over on the far side of the map. I could probably like uh, use this hill and get up top and then like ride down with a couple of detachments and outflank them, maybe do like a pincer movement and then take the, the main force down into the middle and attack them. Oh, fuck it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to select all. I'm going to right-click on the enemies. I'm just going to charge in with everybody and mop right. the floor with them and win a decisive victory. Just like Game of Thrones Season 8. Yep. yep. You should have stuck to the plan. <laughs> Flown the dragon above them, burned down the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the dragon but, disappears and you wonder, why didn't they use that dragon? It's huh, weird. But huh. again, it, it does one thing and I'm not sure if this is, again, I haven't really played the Total War games. I don't know if this is something previous ones have done, mm. but it does have like commanders like the named characters from romance of the three kingdoms that appear as solo units and you can just like ride them straight into enemy forces and they will fucking uh delete 
mobs of them. They will dynasty warriors their yes, ass. Yes, they'll dynasty warriors their way through them. Apparently somebody tested it out with, like, Lu Bu, who's supposed to be, like, the mightiest warrior, like, a warrior worth a thousand in the game, and, like, he solo killed 2,000 troops. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's a little bit like the Warcraft 3 uh, heroes. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, a bit, yeah. And what you were talking to me, though, so it's part of it's turn-based, and then I guess in the battles, though, the battles, the battles are always are real, real time. time. Okay. Yeah, but you can you can pause if you want to, like, change up your strategy okay. if you need some space to breathe. Because that, that's, I just, real-time strategy stresses me the fuck out, mm. man. I just feel like it's it's a game of juggling, and I gotta see what what my enemy's doing, but at the same time try to build my shit, and yeah. I always feel like I'm doing it wrong. And, and I'm stuck in, like, the, the old 2D, like, Blizzard shit where it's like build more farms like I, that's <laughs> yeah. as far as my strategic thinking goes job's done I still yeah. would like to point out this is the oddest purchase I think Sega's ever made and hasn't fucked up in any way hmm. Total War the Total War franchise yeah, yeah. It's, it's only been good but I don't know yeah. that it's for me necessarily yeah. <laughs> I don't have the brain for it yeah, we, I think yeah. I was asking you, I was like, so is this one of them 4X games? And you're like, I, <laughs> I was like, how many X's is a guy? It's like, if I'm getting to the point where it's just like, here, you can learn more about basic strat- battle strategies by clicking on this link and going to the Academy website. I'm like, I don't want to hit things with a sword. <laughs> None of my other Sonic games require reading. <laughs> no. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. If you are a fan of these types of games, this mm-hmm. is the ultimate one yes. of those. Yeah. But I don't think any of us here are big, big, huge strategy. Genag was so yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I remember talking to him a lot about what he liked I'm about sure these he, games. I'm sure he loves it. Now I do like Odama. Does this have a pinball element to it? Sadly, no. Oh, no geez. giant pinballs. Can't play this with a nice set of bongos. <laughs> Sadly, no. Well, I mean, you can try. I'm sure somebody out there is devising a mod that'll let you do that, but uh, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, it's the beauty of PC. Mm-hmm. You can kind of do anything yeah, after yeah, a while. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, also out this week, Brothers A Tale of Two Sons is hitting Switch. Right. And the only reason I put this on here, I think probably all of us have played this game. And mm-hmm. if you've never played it before, oh, yeah. you owe it to yourself to play. And so if, you, if you're if you a Switch owner, just uh, it's a very good game. So could you actually like play this with another player by just like busting out the joy cons and that would assume i looked into this other than oh yeah just at a deeper level brilliant. than knowing it was coming to swing yeah that could work that could possibly make it the best version yeah um and layers of fear 2 is also hitting yeah. on friday when this uh goes live and it uh, i never really played the first layers of fear i i know that it's like you know a survival horror i, I know i own game. it from some xbox games with gold thing and mm-hmm. haven't tried it too scary I'm, I'm a pansy yeah yeah, yeah. But uh, this one, rather than going into paintings, you're actually going into classic films, which uh, sounds kind oh, of interesting. And just like in the trailer, there's a bit where it's like, this is like straight out of Metropolis. Are you trying to summon Diana or something? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but so what no. kind of game? So is it like Resident Evil style? No, it's well, it's like um, first person uh, horror adventure. I think it's something more in the vein of... Um, amnesia yes where oh, you know you're, so you're solving puzzles and then occasionally there will be a monster that you need to run and hide from and like they it was described in a review as like yeah you're you're running and like slamming doors behind you and trying to escape so stop scaring me <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for uh the new releases so let's move along to
Thank you all for your silence during that solemn 17 seconds of news sound. <laughs> I said news. <laughs> I pressed X to pay respects. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, according to The Who, you are all sick in the head. The the wow. World Health Organization. No, no, I meant wow. The Who. The band, uh, The yeah, Who. Yeah, Pete Townsend yeah. and Craig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yes, the World Health Organization uh, officially made gaming disorder a recognizable illness this week. I feel like this is old news, but it popped up again? Like, uh, No, I mean, it, it, it just got added as an official illness. Um, it to So they, they finalized their 11th revision of the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems, or ICD-11. Or for short, y'all be haters, don't hate my game. <laughs> ah, yes. Here's the thing, though. And, and of course, you know, many industry organizations, including the ESA, came out uh, against this ruling. But when you actually read kind of how the classification works, this isn't saying that everyone who plays games has a mental illness or mm-hmm. or even that, you know, some people, oh, games are just super addictive and playing an hour will get you hooked. This is the extreme shit that, like, when you hear stories of dudes who are, like, playing in a cafe in Korea until they get up and collapse because they've been yeah. playing three days straight. That's what this is. So this here's... isn't about little Timmy who plays a half hour of Fortnite every night after football practice. <laughs> right. It's a game about Jimmy who lets his children starve while he plays Stargate on his pro- programming computer. Here is their official description of the disorder, which you will all quickly realize you're probably not included here. And if you are, please seek help. Uh, this is a pattern of behavior characterized by impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests in daily activities and continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. That's the key. Um, you know, all of that just boils down to, like, the kid who won't obey his mom when she says, get off the computer, it's time to do the dishes. <laughs> so here's Stop looking at 8chan and smelling my panties and get over here and do your homework. <laughs> Eat a dick, mom! <laughs> they then go on to further clarify... Uh, it, for this to be diagnosed, the pattern must be of sufficient severity to result in significant impairment to personal, family, social, educational, occupational, or other important areas of functioning and would normally have to have been evident for at least 12 months. When, and when they say significant, they mean the kind of thing of you are not feeding yourself because mm. you're, you're, paying, you're playing games yeah. too much. So I'm not letting anybody look at my Maple Story save. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the reason industry organizations like ESA are coming out is is there is a little bit of open to interpretation of, well, how, how severe does it have to affect these relationships? But I, I think their intent is, no, this is the really severe stuff. All I know is is from like mobile games I pick up and you see like, why don't you buy our $199 pack? And they wouldn't add that if somebody wouldn't buy it. Meaning that like those people might, you might have a problem if you spend $200 to play a puzzle game. Mm-hmm. You might. I'm yeah. According to the WHO, they might. Yes. The ESA might disagree. I've known people who failed college because of World of Warcraft right. and Final Fantasy XI. Right. Yep. Yeah, you're looking at a guy who who failed fucking community college because of Soul Calibur. <laughs> oh, like, but no. I, I don't see. That's Chris. the thing is the way I'm interpreting. I know, I'm very this, old. The way I'm interpreting this is it has to be a very severe, even more severe version mm-hmm. than that. Is is my my interpretation of this? The parents groups won't see it that way. <laughs> yeah. And that's I the also like I also 
I also failed the semester at community college for liking sandwiches, masturbating, like, <laughs> anything I could do to not go to school. No, no, I pre- I predict this will be invoked about as often as every like Dear Abby thing. Where it's like I found my uh, Playboy under my husband's bed. Like, oh, he should seek immediate help for porn addiction. <laughs> I'm concerned. It, all the stereo pages were bookmarked. Mm. We're I feel like if you actually go out and buy an adult magazine, maybe mm-hmm. maybe you do have a problem nowadays. Maybe, with, yeah. <laughs> it's like the internet. There's so, so much of it that's free. Come on. I, yeah. I feel like you're si- singling out Fred Willard. <laughs> and like, it just proves you're bad with money. Notice like, I also said under my husband's bed because this couple is so conservative they have two beds. <laughs> mm. Like Lucy, Lucy and uh, Desi. It does make it funnier. <laughs> Not like Fred Flintstone's, we share a bed in prehistoric times. <laughs> Marriage is for assholes. We're so I commit to one dame. <laughs> that isn't the, the, the wonderful DC comic, by the way. There's a bunch of people protesting getting married because they don't want to have just one mate. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> That's so weird. That's and great. then they, they did like a snaggle post where he's like a gay screenwriter yeah. being blacklisted in the 50s or something. Yeah, the, the first friends of Wilma and Fred you meet aren't Barney and... Uh, Aren't Barney and Betty? It's it's Adam and Steve. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Adam and Steve, who were always there for Fred when he was growing up. Right. How right. dare you say that they're living in sin? <laughs> but so however, will conservatives have that talking point? <laughs> Take it away from them. bastards. Take it back. I forgot what you were talking about. Oh, man. Well, you might you might be sick in the head. You might have a disease, Chris, but you are not nearly as sick in the head as the average Sonic fan. Uh, so oh, remember, all that talk- <laughs> remember all that talk. Actual written letters. The Sonic movie. Uh, they were they were taking some time to redo the Sonic model because of the internet backlash to mm-hmm. that trailer. Uh, so now they've come back out. There was a second wave of backlash of people who had been complaining quite vocally saying, well, wait, this is unfair to your visual effects artists. Now you're just going to overwork these people. They've officially delayed the Sonic movie. So you can all calm down. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. And well, now the first half is pissed off because they're how dare you delay this movie? And the studio's like, what do you want? And we're like, everything! But you know what? They gave us the perfect date. Valentine's Day 2020, Mm -hmm. just in time for hedgehogs everywhere to make out with human girls because it's Mm -hmm. in Sonic, it's canon, that actually happened. Yeah, Yeah, no, just in time for everybody to take their human girlfriends to the theater and... uh, (laughs) Just just in time for everyone to find their Amy Rose or Big the Cat... Or yeah, Vectrix the Alligator. My, uh, stuffed Big the Cat with me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I'm straight. I have, or my life-size statue of Miles Tails Prower. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a hot date. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'll have that to look forward to for next February. I am crazy. I, again, like I, I know, who's, what was the last show we were doing? I, I got a lot of heat for that. I think there is a fun Sonic movie in there somewhere. Oh, for sure. Not from what I saw, but but I do think the design was fucking stupid. Another example of how, like what Matt said, that Hollywood assumes like we know how to do this. They want Jurassic Park Sonic. He wants he needs to look as real as possible. Yeah. Like no, I don't think anybody did. Like everybody's pretty used to Sonic no. looking a, a certain way, and like he doesn't. It, this is dumb. This is totally dumb. Here's what we want: we want Sonic with a perfectly round head, one giant cyclopean eye, and Empreg. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that is what Sonic fans want from Sonic. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. yes, and I want I want him to uh, give a come hither look to Jizz the Bee. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's that's a character, isn't it? <laughs> Probably <laughs> come hither. That's a good one, Chris. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Jizz yeah. the Bee isn't a real character. Jizz the Bee. 
<laughs> it's Charmy B, you fucking heathens. <laughs> how, how will we know until next February when exactly. we can see this all in the movie? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the... They have that to look forward to, I guess. Hopefully I don't know. That'll that'll be the the highest grossing rated R movie since that <laughs> it releases on Valentine's Day. Uh, <laughs> Sonic the Cum Hog. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're not looking forward to that as a hot date for next Valentine's Day, how about you play on a new play date, which is a brand new handheld coming from the publishers of Firewatch. That thing looks rad. It looks it's cool. So weird. It's like this thing that like. No one needs, which is exactly yeah. why I want to play it. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things. It's just like I look at it. I looked at it for the first time. And I'm like, why would I want this? And then I read about it. And it's like, oh, now I want it. Why? Why do you want it? I, I want it. So, so let's, here's, talk, here's let's tell thing. people what this yeah. is first. So of all. okay, so it's this little wafer thin yellow wafer Game Boy esque system. Yeah, it's a wafer black black and white screen screen black and white screen. Yeah, with a little crank with on crank. the side that yeah. looks like it could be used for, say, a fishing game. Which is not used to power it. Some people thought you had to crank power it. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like Some people are like me until four seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, no. The, the crank is is an optional controller. Uh-huh. But why are you so excited about so, this? Tell me. What excites me about it is that they want to use it as a showcase for very quirky games by people like Keita Takahashi, creator of uh, Katamari Damashi. Yeah. And uh, the idea is that you will pay for like a season long subscription and every like once a week on or once a month, however, however often it is on new game day, there will be a new handful of surprise games. So they, they say like, we want it, this to be the sensation of like, you wake up every game day excited to see what's new on your, on your play date. Doesn't that sound wonderful yeah. in, in a season pass that's and, inexpensive? And so it's just like, yes, new games will just be added and you'll get to discover them. And I don't know what you mean by inexpensive because this thing costs 150 bucks. I mean, for a modern console, that's not it's bad. Not a co- but it's not a modern console. It's a black and white. Even a handheld. It's a two-button handheld with a crank. Do you know how much my Fitbit costs, and that's yeah. like got a shitty ass screen? Yeah, I, I left San Francisco because I was tired of paying that for dinner. Mm. To me, this just seems like people in the Bay Area have too much money. I um, mean, that is true. And, and and that pitch you just gave sounds like some bullshit straight out of Silicon Valley, where mm. it's like we're going to have this artisanal game delivery device yes. that will serve you only the finest in in all of our inner club of indie devs. We're going to get you the best games, but only playable on our thing, and only one hundred and fifty dollars. And I'm like, what? So on the flip side, uh-huh. it is less than the cost of a single burlap fallout egg. <laughs> and more important to gaming as a whole, uh, it's actual games. I don't mean to shoot it down out of hand because I haven't tried it, haven't played it. It just for out me it was hand. It was <laughs> handheld. It was for me. It was just a very odd announcement because of the price point. I mean, the, the crank handle thing definitely throws you off when you see that at first. It just seems like some bullshit. You look at that and you go, what What the fuck is that thing? Like, this is some bullshit. You could file this under some bullshit. I can definitely I mean, see the, that. The demo and I'll wait for Michael to buy it first. Yeah. <laughs> you know I will. Yes. Just so I can talk about it on here. And and I may I point out the irony that this was announced like the day the Ouya store closed. Yes. <laughs> well, it does not give me a lot of faith in the exclusive home of Earthworm Jim, the Intellivision or Coleco, I can't remember. I do appreciate that their approach to this is a thing, you're going to buy it. Like Michael said, it will come with a set number of games. Did they, now, did they mention like 
will there be future season passes or is it just well the- i would imagine that's probably going to be predicated on how well this season does yeah. I-, I don't think so i can confirm there will not be further season passes. <laughs> <laughs> i think also yeah. they're just building a limited amount of them there's going to be like 30,000 or so and that's the other thing that gets me is like it just seems a little Exclusive, quote unquote, but in like the bad. Lucy, yeah. It is. It is rich boy horseshit. I'm smelling it now. I'm not. I'm with you, Maddie. But I think maybe the thirty thousand is just because they don't know how many of these they'll sell, and you don't want to get stuck with a warehouse. And and again, I think a lot of people are going to have the. My initial reaction, which is, what the fuck is this thing? Why do, why do I want a, to buy a black and white handheld in 2019? I, I think what I was reacting to is like the people, the same people who are reacting to it are the guys that are dropping $300 for like NES carts. You know, just it, mm. it had this weird collector vibe to it. Maybe that's just my Twitter timeline. Shout out to the, shout out to the stream I was on on Past Blaster this weekend. Yeah, they're, yeah. Like, well, also, maybe they're trying to force Nintendo's hand to release like. A mini Game Boy. Like, some of those games are fucking beautiful. And yeah. black and white and a tough sell in 2019. I, I would love to see a wafer-thin Game Boy classic. A wafer-thin Game Boy! I really think it's uh, it's aimed at people who are obsessed with the Wonder Swan. It's like yes. that <laughs> Thank you! That I got strong <laughs> Wonder Swan vibes. And I'm a big fan. Yeah. Like, a lot of the creators attached to this thing, I love their games. And so that excites mm-hmm. me, right? When you get the creator of Katamari Damacy, you get the creators of Firewatch in there. Yeah. And, and, like, the, the game that they were showing off when they mentioned him was kind of interesting. It was like... Uh, it sort of reminded me a little bit of The Act, if you've ever seen that arcade game. Oh, yeah. uh, where it's on the iPhone now, I think. Like, it's it's this character, like, who, who, like, gets up out of a chair and, like, walks through his day. And you propel him forward with the crank. And then, like, as he messes up, like, you can rewind time by turning the crank backward. And, like, that looks kind of cool. It looks like a, an old, like, crank moviola or something. Mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. Yeah. You're advancing it. I do want to say, in terms of the most exciting thing I saw this weekend in terms of gaming, was a modded arcade one-up machine. You know what those things are? You can buy them in, like, Targets and oh, Walmart. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 those. Yeah, yeah, okay. Apparently, they come with, you know, some uh, some of the sticks. are. So, I think they're improving with every iteration, but, like, dude, throw a Raspberry Pi in one of those things? Mm, Holy yeah. shit. You have, like, the ultimate MAME arcade experience. Yep. Uh, on this tiny little cabinet. Their biggest issue for me is my white ass. Uh, have you tried playing Street Fighter? My white ass. <laughs> have you tried? Like they're they're the controllers are very close to each other when you're trying to play two. We actually games. have a bunch of them in the break room. I, I bet you. No, I, I thought they. I, I didn't think they were that close. I mean, they're, I thought they were pretty ergonomic. Yeah, they're they're the Street tiny. Fighter. They're one. okay. I, you have to get the they all. They also, again, chalk this up to some bullshit. They sell that like $100 stand yep. that they can go the on. $100 to make box. It's a fucking crate. box. Yeah, it's a box. That's all it is. There's no electronics in it. It's just a box. It's just a stand. So if that those controllers are too close for you, maybe instead you should think about spacing them, say, like the entire width of the Capcom logo apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just ergonomically correct for larger guys, I think. You win. Yeah, you win. You'd be much you know happier what? with that stick in the O. Uh, <laughs> you got me on board. I'm on board for Playdate now. You're right. Because that is, that is some bullshit right there. <laughs> I kind of want to buy that Capcom. Oh, really see? There, there's, some, there's something beautiful about all of this is that gaming has niche. What we all thought was niche has like even smaller niches within that niche. Yes. That, that can maybe be serviced 
in a product like is it Playdate? Is that what's called Playdate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's that's really interesting. Like it's it's not looking to be the Netflix of games. It's looking to be like the fucking I don't know what's a failed streaming service. Uh, <laughs> what did I buy Diana for her birthday that she never used and went out of business? Uh, Warner uh, Brothers CISO? archives or whatever. Verve. No, the, it was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The, the other one, Warner Brothers, shut down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, stuck. Maybe, maybe I'm just getting annoyed because so Film many people truck, in those yeah. niches apparently have more money than me. And because so many people, ah, this is amazing. I'm getting one. I'm like, it's 150 dollars. What are you doing? It's know. almost the price of three games. It's true. <laughs> okay. Well, if you if you want to if you want to play kind of retro inspired games and not spend 150 dollars. Details came out about the upcoming Contra Anniversary Collection, which is kind of so following happy. hot on the heels of the Castlevania Collection. And so, um, yeah, quick reminder, these, this is Konami just putting out a bunch of games in some of their most famous franchises for $20. They announced back in March uh, four of the games coming to this, and then they went ahead and clarified all of the games on in the collection. So let's go through and see what we think. We got Contra Arcade. Mm-hmm. We, Excellent. we got Contra NES. Okay. Contra uh, Famicom. So the, the How Japanese is that different version? from the NES version? I don't know. I never played it. I, I like, read that and I thought like, oh, is that like the Game Boy Contra? But Yeah. They don't have ripoffs of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in the box art. <laughs> it's down, down, up, up. Uh, never mind. Yeah. I was I was trying to do the Konami code and like reverse. I'm like, maybe I can't do Left that. Left and right or reverse. There you go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, and then we know the B and A would be reversed because fuck, that always fucks with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got Super Contra Arcade. Yep. Super mm-hmm. C NES, uh, Contra Three: The Alien Wars, the best one for SNES. Uh, we yep. have now this is a Super Pro- Probotector, yeah. Alien Rebels for SNES, which was which, the which European is, version yeah, of the, Contra Three, yeah, right? Exactly. So and, yeah, Contra was renamed Probotector in <laughs> Europe, and the characters arguably a better name. The characters were redesigned. Instead of Rambo's, they are now like uh, these mech robots. And, yes, uh, and instead of inputting the Konami code, you insert it. Mm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, we have Contra Hardcore for uh, Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Fucking we, great. Then we yeah. have Probotector for Sega Mega Drive. Which is, I'm going to guess, the That's European, the European version yeah. of that game. And then Operation C for Game Boy. Mm-hmm. That's all the games on there. What do we think? What are we thinking? Oh, by the way, then we, I think before we had said, hey, how come no one releases the original NES Contra? Like, we kept kind of, because that wasn't part of that mm-hmm. original announcement. Oh, yeah. uh, and right. so that's on here. So we're good. Right. right. It's just that like, the, I think the really good Contra games that no one talks about are Sharded Soldier and Contra 4. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those would be much more impressive yeah. to have in a collection. It just seems- also, Contra Rebirth, Hardcore Uprising. Rebirths. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It just seems like they did what the Castlevania collection did. They they put sort of an arbitrary cutoff point for this collection because you got to have a volume two somewhere. Am I right? Uh, right. It's kind of like they did with the Mega Man collection. Hmm. But this is still a lot of good, very good games for twenty dollars. Yeah, I've been really psyched about the uh, the Castlevania one. I've been playing the heck out of that. that oh yeah, great. it's so good. Yeah. Like the, the emulation is great. Um, like like you said, the the bonus material is a little yeah. And I think we could probably but, expect yeah. the same thing here, although. The one dip- big difference between this and the Castlevania collection is the Castlevania collection so far, I think they're talking about patching in. It was mostly just our versions of those games, whereas this we straight up have like the Japanese versions of things, yep. European versions of things mm-hmm. just right there in the box. So uh, the, the more of these economy packs we get, the closer we get to a Snatcher release that I'm <laughs> very excited about. <laughs> it's, it, no, nothing is impossible as long as these 
I don't know. I, I love these um, uh, these little arcade collections. I'm so yeah. happy about all this shit. Yeah, I feel like we get them in cycles this, every this, few years. This was years. impossible. This was impossible ten years ago. So I feel like every few years we get like the Namco collections of the world and stuff, and then they they kind of go in cycles though, where they they'll, they'll have a few of those, and like Sega will release a collection, and then we'll kind of go dormant for a few years, and then go, hey, I think people are ready for this retro collections again, and they'll put them back out, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, yeah, I think we are right now just kind of, I guess, in one of those upward swings of that cycle where we're getting more of these and they're super cool to have and why not? I'm a guy raised on like uh, Disney clamshell re-releases from the 40s and getting excited about those. So getting excited about arcade games, I was a zygote and could barely play. Oh, it's so, it's so much fun. <laughs> yep. Um, last bit of news that we don't have the news yet, but we expect to talk about it on next week's show. So rumor has it that Sony is going to be doing a pretty big Death Stranding announcement uh, later this week, uh, well, before you're listening to this, as well as uh, perhaps a new The Last of Us 2 trailer. So if those rumors are to be believed, we will be discussing those more on next week's show. And final bit of kind of a little special news thing. You may be wondering what the background music to this segment has been. Um, and this is actually the soundtrack from Rayman 1. And the reason I'm using that, a uh, bit of sad news, uh, Rayman 1 composer Remy Gazelle passed away uh, this week. So in memory of, R- of Remy, I-, I just wanted to kind of play that because it's a really good soundtrack. And so uh, rest in peace, Remy. Oh, that's, a, that's a bummer. That is a bummer. And a good soundtrack. Hmm. Consider this, uh, I'm sending him off to heaven with a traditional Rayman yeah! I can picture you raising your lack of an arm, just a detached hand in the air doing that. It's great. It's it's what we should have voted Howard Dean into being. <laughs> the new the new oh, if, if only memes were as prevalent back then. Just yeah! <laughs> yeah! That was, it's yeah, not quite the same. It's so great. I want to talk a little... Like, did you... Did any did a ton of PS5 news come out last week, or am I crazy? Uh, what they did is they confirmed, they officially confirmed the stuff we'd spoken about a few months ago. There was that... From the Wired article. There was that presentation that, that Mark Cerny gave to Wired uh, where he showed them. And then, oh, I, this is what it was. Um, so Sony, remember we talked last week about the Sony announcement with Microsoft? That was all part of like a kind of a big corporate earnings announcements and stuff. So during a big through the teeth, <laughs> money, money, money. <laughs> <laughs> right. So during one of their corporate uh, presentations, they they showed uh, the PS5 in action, and, and specifically what they showed is how fast Spider-Man loads on a PS5 uh, dev kit compared to PS4. And so, like in the time it took to load one level on the PS4, and this was the PS4 Pro. It like went through like loading five or six different areas I- I on the PS5 dev kit because of that solid state, solid state uh, hard drive they have in there. Solid apparently, state. Solid state. <laughs> even-, <laughs> even though, even though I, I, I just I couldn't help but click on the headline because I'm still behind it. Even though I'm still, I have one foot in foot in classic gaming like the rest of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of this matters with Stadia. None, none of it. None of it. None of your solid state load horseshit matters with Stadia. Yeah. It it, it doesn't matter in the slightest. And, uh, and and I just thought that was weird. Like the, the the few things Sony had released as part of its hardware details and like that backwards compatibility, none of that matters with Stadia. How are you dealing with that? Still called Stadia. Stop trying to make Stadia, Stadia a thing. <laughs> Stadia? Stadia. Stadia Komanich? Stadia. 
Stadi on the bridge. The biggest stretch, and yet it somehow worked the best. It's, it's dumb. I think we're, <laughs> we're well, so punch drunk at this point, anything will be funny. And that uh, is all the news that's fit to play. Stadi. <laughs> all right. Well, this can't do it, Michael. We don't have the power. We don't use that word, man. We don't have the bandwidth. Uh, let's move on to the community segment, which is always is segmenting our community. Uh, last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was uh, what two, what are two games that you secretly think or wish shared a universe? Um, John, you weren't here last week. Does that evoke anything for you? Games that I wish share a universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess uh, Persona and World of Warcraft, so I could date some orcs. Wow, that is. <laughs> that is I feel like isn't there an orc dating simulator out there? There is. There yeah. is, and I'm actually following the guy on Twitter that made it. Oh, nice. Ooh, please. <laughs> Wait, what's it called? I, I'll, I'd have to find that out. I have to do some research, but I know it exists. Yep. Mm. Possibly just orc dating simulator. Who knows? <laughs> Search for that on Steam. See what it does to your recommendations. Uh, (laughs) Search orcs. Tusks, that's it. Tusks? Oh, nice. Tusks. (laughs) Not to be confused with the Fleetwood Mac song. Uh, Featuring the USC marching band. Fight on. Uh, (laughs) What? That's a real real deal. They're actually, they're Grammy Award winning USC marching band because they're in Tusk Uh, by Fleetwood Mac. Nice. Um, all right. Well, first responder on VigiGameApocalypse.com was Giant Robots Conquer the World, who says, My favorite gaming shared universe is the classic Bungie universe. One of their early games, Pathways into Darkness, is a first-person shooter adventure game hybrid about a soldier stopping a Lovecraftian sleeping god, Alien, from awakening. Then the Marathon Trilogy of first-person shooters is about a space cyborg and rogue AI. But the third game is stopping another of the same Lovecraftian sleeping god aliens from awakening. Then the forgotten PS2 game, or then the forgotten PS2 Ghost in the Shell ripoff game, Oni, has an early mission where an AI has gone rampant, which was a term central to the plot of Marathon. Although it didn't originate from Marathon, I should say that just as an aside. And Halo is drenched in references to Marathon, but they're all winking references. For example, one of the main AI characters in Marathon is Durandal, named after a legendary sword in French epic poems. Another legendary sword, forged of the same steel and temper, was named Cortana. Ah, yes. Yeah, I thought of this, actually, when we were thinking of shared universes, um, because I remember the Oni references in Halo. But those were more nods to... It wasn't like sharing the universe, like the Oni character wasn't in the Halo universe right, yeah, or anything. Yeah. It was just, you know, the, the reference there. But, uh, yeah, that's a good pull from mm-hmm. Robots Conquer the World. Yeah. Or Giant Robots. Would it sorry. count with uh, the Red Faction company that's in Saints Row as well? We yeah, talked about that. We, we talked yeah. about that briefly. Oh, well, that's right. They're, they're kind and, of the Waylon yutani of, yeah, of that they have Yeah, they have the same logo, although it gets really weird because, like, eventually the Saints, the Third Street Saints merge with Ultor. And, like, you're running Ultor by the time Saints Row 4 happens, uh, but then the Earth blows up, but then it comes back, and it's not really clear what role Ultor has to play in Agents of Mayhem. I don't know. I didn't play very much of that game. <laughs> <laughs> Laser Time Rules says, I always firmly believed and wished Golden Axe and Streets of Rage shared universes. The, Man, the, fuck. the similarities are too many to ignore. My headcanon oh. is the Land of Golden Axe 
is Streets of Rage's past. Mr. X is Death Ad... He says Adler, but isn't it Adder? It's Adder. It's Death Adder. It's, okay, yeah, yeah. reincarnated. Because he adds to death. Yes, he does. Or possibly he's named for the snake. I don't know. Yes. Uh, that's a good one. Good one, Laser Time Wolves. Yeah, I like yeah, yeah. that. I think I was... I love we were When we were looking into this... Apparently, the dwarf from Golden Axe is a shopkeeper yeah, in Gilius Thunderhead, but that yeah. seems more like a, a winking reference than an actual. It, right? Like, which which RPG was it in that he's that he's the shopkeep uh, to? Is it like Shining, Shining in the Darkness, Shining Force, maybe? Or, no, I no? think it's Shining in the okay. Darkness. Yeah. I could be wrong. Man, I, I, <laughs> I could not get enough of whatever that Death Generator thing uh, Matt had sent around was. <laughs> and uh, you're going to have to Michael with it all weekend. Well, yeah. it, it was just because I was trying to make dinner at the time and like my phone is buzzing nonstop. And I'm meanwhile <laughs> figuring like I'm pan frying a steak for the first time. Oh, How that's do I do you're this? Doing? I thought you were in a yeah. movie. I felt no, guilty. No, no, now no, I don't no. feel bad. Right. What it is is if you watching Chernobyl like me, uh, <laughs> if you follow, I, is it either Fo One or Foon on Twitter? It's Foon. Yeah, at F. O-O-N-E. He's this guy who he does amazing things where he will break down um, how games are made, like coding. He's basically hacks he these games. He also collects uh, ancient computer hardware that even I'm like, why would you be interested in that? Why yeah. Why do you need to collect a PC copy of like this ancient game that no one cares about? And so he he was hacking into the Doug game for Game Boy right. and he added it to this site that is like a meme generator where it has so many classic games, and then you just you you can put custom text in so many of these games, and mm-hmm. so I, I had to I had to mention it because they have the Rodney character from Skater Die, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who just like anything he says, like how much you want for the skateboard, kid, and I just couldn't stop like like you pull up my I tell you, my wife is such a bitch, <laughs> uh, like I couldn't stop putting, and I remember like. That's what we used to do art requests for, like yes. years. <laughs> yeah, we used to make, oh, like, man, make yeah. our designers. We we had like two designers working at Games Radar, and like here, pull like this old piece of pixel artwork and make him say this <laughs> dumb thing. Yeah, <laughs> and this guy made them totally irrelevant, even though they've moved on a long time ago. Yeah, um, and they're much more talented. Yeah. So so follow Foon on Twitter, and you'll see that you'll get that link, and have fun there, kids. Yeah. Red Cyclonic says, uh, I'm surprised that after all these years, Namco has never taken advantage of the fact that Tekken and Galaga exist in the same what? universe. <gasps> that mini game in the beginning of the first Tekken, uh, which if you can beat it, you can get access to Devil Kazuya on hmm. PS1, but it is nearly fucking impossible. Surely has to be a confirmation. This has to be the reason that uh, the Mishima family is constantly trying to launch each other into space. I love a top-down Galaga-style shooter starring our favorite dysfunctional Japanese crime family. Uh, uh, must have unlockable panda bear and maybe uh, Yoshimitsu because he's an alien man. I mean, you can kind of just imagine that like all the Mishimas are piloting that ship in Galaga. Like, we are the last hope of humanity. But isn't that kind of like saying that, like, Geometry Wars exists in the same universe as Project Gotham Racing. The yes. fact that you but it did. You played it, it in the did. garage. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but not, not, they're not game in, within a game. They're not in lore within the same universe, right? It's not. You're right. No, not Project true. Gotham Racing's lore actually exists in the same universe as Tempest 2000, specifically. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's another wireframe game. Made, I don't know. Wonderful joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Did you, because uh, I, I, I listened through the last episode, but I was mowing my lawn. I can't mm. remember. Did you guys talk about Olaf uh, from 
Lost Vikings Frozen? and all those no, other games? No, but he has been in a bunch of other things, including Rock and Roll Racing, which is an underrated oh, yeah. classic that needs to make a comeback. Great game. Yeah. Is that, is that his Black Sabbath chip tune? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Olaf and, unleashes and, hot and, fury. And, uh, in World of Warcraft as well. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That's right. In yeah. Heroes of the Storm. Oh, I shouldn't have bought it. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, 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 miss, I miss Lost Vikings. That series oh. was fun. You know who I miss? Who? Dave Rudden. Oh, man. I don't. I talked to him on last week's Laser Time and this week's bonus well, time. Well, lucky you. Fucking uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's about Dave. I... Dave Time responded on VigiGameApocalypse.com and said, I've mentioned this on VG Empire before, but I used to think that Suikoden and Vandal Hearts were in the same universe because these two minor things were enough to convince a 15-year-old diamond dog. Number one, the instruction manual for Suikoden included an ad for Vandal Hearts. Okay. Uh, and number two, <laughs> in Suikoden, you led the Liberation Army, and the opening cutscene for Vandal Hearts mentions a Liberation Army. Okay, Dave. Uh, nothing else in the 20-plus hours that it takes to complete each game suggests that the franchises were related, but I I was dying to see my favorite 32-bit JRPG and tactical RPG uh, have some common meaning. That's an interesting answer. I think they, they came out around the same time and there was a lot of cross-promotional marketing. I know, but, but his number... Right. It, this is all built on his number one, which means like he could have thought Kool-Aid Man was in the Marvel yeah. universe. <laughs> He's <true>. not? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, no. You're saying Kool-Aid Man doesn't show up to help Spider-Man when the chips are down? <laughs> Iron Man did battle cool the Thirsties right. in, uh, a bit in the 70s. It's like saying but... every game that had an ad in Nintendo Power exists in the Mario universe. Are, are you telling me that, Spy that Captain America did not actually use hostess uh, pies to, to <laughs> yes. foil villains. He might he have. Used, he used them to put on his feet and kick sand in greater weight <laughs> and, and lose some weight. Uh, it's a dumb comic reference that I'm not putting together well. Uh, but, uh, but on the Laser Time Facebook community, uh, Patrick McClafferty says, Animal Crossing and Star Fox, the animal people are eventually spread out among the stars. Yeah. And Tom Nook are will they? be there to mortgage every fucking star for them. Uh, every shilling. Tom yeah. He can finally Nook. blast that bitch Whitney. <laughs> How dare she? She knows what she did. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca Swift says, I like to think Bioshock and Prey, 2017, share a universe. Whenever I describe Prey to someone, I always say it's like Bioshock, but in space. It always reminds me of that quote from Elizabeth in the best Bioshock game where she, ooh, wow, mm. where she says, there's that one in there. There's always a man. There's always a city with the lighthouse being the trans star building. The man is your brother, Alex, and the city is a space station, Talos One. All of that, plus the art deco styling of Talos makes me think if they're not canonically related, then they fucking should be. Prey is rad, BTU, BTW, sorry. And everyone should play it. You can turn yourself into a coffee cup. You, you can. can. <laughs> uh, but it, it, that, that would kind of make sense in the natural progression of things. Because it's like, okay, first we have Undersea Bioshock, then Sky Oshock, Sky Bioshock, and Space Bioshock. Although, really, Space Bioshock came first because System Shock. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, Prey is like a different publisher. It so. is. Isn't, yeah. But Prey is a bunch of the people who did System Shock. Like, wasn't it related? Um, Designer-wise? Maybe. I don't know. Mm. Hmm. You could be wrong. Good question. Uh, Leonardo Chavez says, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening and Super Mario Bros. 2 both yeah. take place in a dream world and have an appearance what? by Wart, the final boss from Mario Bros. 2. 
Also, Mario enemies show up in various areas of Link's Awakening. Wart's existence must be tied to Nintendo characters stuck in dream worlds. I meant to look into this, and maybe you know because your name's Wiki Parez. Of course. I know. What is that connection? Why is why are they in both? Is it just they needed an there asset no and they connection. had one ready? There is no, is it a different is it actually Wart or is it a different Yeah, it's definitely actually Wart for real. Mm-hmm. And it's Yeah, and the chain chomp shows up. So why yeah. put them in both? Because why not? It's a cute thing and they weren't yeah. thinking about the internet thinking it fucking meant the whole universe was connected. <laughs> they were just dumb sprites they were putting in other games. Yep. Can I spoil Link's Awakening? Sure. Sure. I mean, it's a dream, too. No! So that's why they... <laughs> sorry, sorry. I mean, it's a game called Link's Awakening. <laughs> I know, but, you know, it's a play on words. Uh-huh. All right. And it's being remade. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, uh, well, in, in, and so is Mario 2. Yeah. And, yes. So and it's the same dream. That Miyamoto had when he didn't want to make great games. No, I'm just kidding. No. Ooh, <laughs> Link was in Mario RPG, right? I remember he was like sleeping at an inn. Or yes, yeah. He's uh, but you only see his hat, and Samus and is Samus in there is too. There too. Yeah, but they're not shared universes technically. It's just uh, it's I don't know. I don't know how you want to. That's think a about cameo. That. That's that's more uh... technically. That's what a podcast is for. I should say I I almost beat Mario two on a stream um, on my buddy's stream this weekend. I did beat Ducktales, and my buddy did speed run. Castlevania, and my buddy uh, Adam uh, at Pass Blaster holds the number 20th record in the speed run of uh, the unassisted speed run of Where's Waldo? Uh, <laughs> oh my god. There's 20 other people playing that? Dude, it's it's down to like four hundredths of a second. It's crazy. Pass Blaster on Switch, uh, on Twitch, it's, it's, it's wonderful to watch my friend beat Where's Waldo in fucking 10 minutes. It's, Jesus. I fucking found you, dude! I found you! It's, dude, it's, the game is so much worse than that. The trash is, talk is, alone. Is, Fuck you, Waldo! No, you're taking too much time for trash talk. You gotta find Waldo again. It, it is so much worse than that, and it's so much more intricate and stupid. It's, it's so fucking awful. Oh, the Where's Waldo NES game. It's, it's delicious. <laughs> I, there we go. I, I want to picture a crossover universe of Waldo and Carmen Sandiego. Mm-hmm. It's just this world where everyone gets lost. No one can find anybody. I think that's just called the real world. <laughs> they, they're both real people. So, <laughs> Where in the world are they, though? Ah, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> that's really the question. Uh, okay. Mike Amari says, so the video I was working on, Shit the Bed, uh, going to the text version, hope I got this in before you recorded. I desperately want a Mario game that ends with the opening, uh, with him opening a door in Peach's Castle, and it opens to the docks and lighthouses from the end of Bioshock. <laughs> God damn it. I want him to see every there. video game character from Sonic to Blasto, Nathan Drake to Pitfall Harry opening up these doors to show us all of these video games are part of the Bioshock Infinite Universe and that uh, Anna DeWitt and Timmy Westfall are uh, video games. Uh, Detective Munch would even be there since <laughs> the Law & Order SVU games. <laughs> As always, thank you for the precious content. Always, always, thank you for the compliment. Uh, is is Tim- Timmy Westfall uh, the St. Elsewhere kid? <laughs> yes. I think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, finally, we have a uh, video response from Full Install. Here we go. Hello, VGA. It's Tom here again from YouTube channel Full Install. In answer to your latest community question, which two games do you believe to belong to the same universe which isn't set in stone? Now, I know in the podcast you mentioned that fighting games were a bit of an easy answer due to the fact that their rosters often cross-pollinate between games. 
But I've got an example of a fighting game which doesn't do that, but I believe is set in the same universe. Did you ever play an N64 game called Mace the Dark Age? Yes. Yes. No one ever talks about this game. It's a medieval fantasy fighting game where you play as various characters from different kingdoms. They're all kitted out with the appropriate attire, unique styles, weapons and movesets. The comparisons to Mortal Kombat are pretty obvious from the get-go. The game has a dark focus on blood and depravity, and we have the trademark fatalities. The only difference here being that the voiceover guy says execute him rather than finish him. I always just assumed this to be a prequel to Mortal Kombat set back in ye olde times, and the name is something that's always bothered me. Why would you create a brand new IP and feel the need to suffix it with a subtitle, unless perhaps the original title for the game was meant to be Mortal Kombat The Dark Age, and they had to change it at the last minute due to the fact that Mortal Kombat 4 was about to come out around about the same time. Either that, or the uh, more probable answer, which is that Mace is just a really shit name for a game. So they needed to add something to it to not confuse the average customer into thinking it was a game about attacking bears with pepper spray. It isn't officially part of the Mortal Kombat series, but it is undoubtedly flinging dog shit over its fence, trying to leave a mark on its universe. Cheers, catch you later, guys. I, I actually have the real answer for you. Um, as a guy who's had to do this on uh-huh. games such as, you know, Fear, yeah. uh, which required a little subtitle, it's really hard to copyright a name such as Mace, which is a very generic name. Yeah. And so sometimes you use I'm those sure they subtitles. they wanted to call it Sword. Yeah, sometimes you use subtitles <laughs> to make it ownable. That's probably the reason why you mm. see things like Mace the Dark Age. Or, yeah. yes, maybe they planned on future games saying Katana the feudal J- Japanese age and maybe it was going to was going to be Mace Windu the dark age right I, yeah i apologize that 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 fighting game is not part of harlem world uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it, since since you mentioned that that the, the mortal kombat tie in it's interesting because at the time there was like a bunch of speculation on like where's mortal kombat 4 what's happening with mortal kombat 4 what is that and midway came out with war gods which was eerily similar to Mace the Dark Age. And I think the main reason these games got noticed at all is because the N60... Like, fighting games were huge when the N64 came out, and it had very few good ones. Um, so, yeah, the, the best ones early on were probably Mace the Dark Age, and uh, one of the worst was War Gods, which was this confusing <laughs> thing by Midway. And, like, I remember on IGN at the time, everybody, like, there were all these people saying, like, is this Mortal Kombat 4? And, like... And the editors were like, no, it's not Mortal Kombat 4. Mortal Kombat 4 is coming. Midway promises us it's going to be completely different. This is not it. Even though this has fatalities and digitized characters and is weirdly similar. No, Kabuki Joe... Made by the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kabuki Joe is not a Mortal Kombat character, though. And neither is anyone from Mace the Dark Age, which I remember primarily as Kabuki having... Kabuki Joe? Kabuki Joe. You are <laughs> chosen. like an Adult Swim show. I know, right? <laughs> there, were, there were, like, photo con- like uh, Photoshop contests on IGN that I, I actually thought I won one at one point because, like... I was like, yeah, I'll just Photoshop Kabuki Joe's face on the Lee Harvey Oswald while he's getting shot. And <laughs> someone I'm beat laughing. me to it, the bastard. Damn. I'm laughing. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So Mace the Dark Age had a character named Lord Demos. And while this doesn't uh, relate to Mortal Kombat at all, it is really gross because this is, as far as I know, the only game on a Nintendo platform that features anal impalement. Because he, he, Lord Demos was a red armored knight with a big broadsword, and he would just slide it underneath the other character and just stick him in midair, and it was kind of gross. I guess you never played the original Mario Party then. I didn't. <laughs> but I'm guessing you're going to elaborate on that. Nope, not at all. <laughs> just going to make you guess. 
Poor Yoshi. It was on the MSX. It, it was called Mario Key Party. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had to have the, the disk drive. Mm-hmm. They only had it in Japan, but whoo! Sure. The shit Mario got up to, let me tell you. Literal shit. Um, <laughs> who knew he was a scatophile? Um, shit, where was I going with this? <laughs> He's a scat man. Even if he don't. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yep. You did it. New question of the week. What's a feature or mode you wish more people would rip off? Uh, in video games, I guess yeah, mine is still Assassin's Creed. Like, I, I want more Assassin's Creed style games. Okay. I, I, I don't feel like they're enough. I want to climb shit all the time. Um Scatify. I want to climb yeah, shit. I want to climb shit. No. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> Giant piles of shit everywhere. Stop making this gross. I want someone to rip off Lifeline so I can t- talk a lady through a survival horror game. That's okay. good. Yeah. That's that good. That's more. good. Yeah. Isn't, isn't Republic kind of like that? I've Republic? Never, I've heard. Never I've never played it. it. Yeah. Um, I have two answers. I'm sorry I'm cheating. Number one. I always like the psychological effects in Eternal Darkness and wished more games, mm-hmm. especially horror games, I wish they used that. But lean, I mean, a lot of horror games will do stuff that kind of makes you realize the character's freaking out. Mm-hmm. But stuff that was breaking the fourth wall and trying to trick you as the player, I don't see many games doing. So that's sort of my first answer. My real answer, though, and this is something, Michael, I'm surprised you didn't bring up because we, we almost put it in here. Portals. Yes. Games using portals. Darksiders um, kind of did it. Yeah, yeah, but, but it wasn't uh, quite the same. Obviously, the big one is Portal itself, mm-hmm. and then actually, you know, Rebecca Swift brought up Prey 2017, but the original Prey made use of portals, and I remember that was kind of a big part of that game, as you yeah. go from one mm-hmm. world to another. I don't think you laid them down, but like that did. Yeah, that game did some trippy shit. Yeah, it did. It did, and and because yeah, in the, in the video game medium, you can you can have a lot of fun with portals because it's just making all that shit on the fly in a 3D engine but it, it's still it's still there's something about it when you see it on the screen there's this mind fuck like it's, you know in portal where it's like where you can see your arm start to poke out of that other portal and stuff it's mm-hmm. it, it's still it's 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 this cool thing that I wish more games took advantage yeah, of portals not to be confused with Blake Bortles of the Jacksonville Jaguars although uh, you can also have fun <laughs> with him Probably. Really? It's the only welcome really? football reference I've had in years. <laughs> it's really more of a good place reference, but whatever. Yeah, that's the only way I know him. <laughs> Blake Bortles! <laughs> Blake Bortles! Getting ready to throw Molotov. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so for me, it's it's psychological effects and portals. Or both. Put them both in the same game. I mean, Why not? We've got the Sinking City coming at the end of next month, which is Lovecraftian and promises to have sanity effects. So maybe you'll get your wish. Who there knows? And I, I'm still on that Mark Cree tip, man. I mm. really love the idea of sending out a fan and assigning a, a, a button to deal with multiple enemies. Yeah. Again, like it's difficult to describe, but like you can, I think you can buy that game like fucking anywhere, including digitally. It's a first-party Sony game, so... Uh, you might, yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, so, what is a feature or mode that you wish more games would make use of or rip off? Uh, let us know. Go to vidigameapocalypse.com. First person to answer in the comments for episode three hundred and eighteen gets read first on next week's show. Also, you can uh, go to the Laser Time, the official Laser Time community on Facebook. Uh, there'll be a thread there where you can answer, or you can just hit us up on Twitter. At VG Apocalypse. So that's been our show. Uh, John, tell tell people again where they can hear more of you. Well, if you want to hear me talk about a 
different role-playing game every couple of months. Uh, we play through one over between five to ten episodes uh, over on Square Roots. It's squareroots.libsyn.com. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on Google Play. And uh, you can uh, see me tweeting about hot orcs and other big men on at Johnny Barnstorm on Twitter. Sweet. Who else? Uh, well, Christopher, this week we got 302010. I know last week we got to talk about Indiana Jones. I think last week was the end of my back injury stuff, but it was mm-hmm. when I was playing around with a lot of weird medication that I was borrowing from other people. Jesus. And I've heard a lot of positive responses from that episode for some reason, that I don't, and I don't remember it. <laughs> so Maddie, Maddie's on a recent bonus time. We also have a recent bonus time about Game of Thrones. And we will have another bonus time this week uh, about our SNL awards. With Tony and uh, Dave from the recent episode of Laser Time. This week's show is about uh, greatest commentaries. Mm. Commentaries used to be a, a thing on things called DVDs. <laughs> yeah, these are things. Uh, these are things you no longer care about, but you scream about having physical games all the time. Uh, but <laughs> some games even had them. Gone Home had commentaries. Yeah. They yeah. did, and they got rid of them all because very few people use these features. But they're fucking thoroughly insightful yeah. and awesome. Day of the Tentacle and, had commentary also. Yeah. yeah. So did PC Gamer Digital. Fucking ten weeks I did that shit. You fucking assholes. <laughs> Where were you then? Where were you then? Tell us how you really feel, Chris. And, and if you want to become an expert on a podcast about a movie, go listen to the commentaries for that movie because right. that is a very mm-hmm. good step in that direction. Yeah. Right. You want to impress everybody on eight chan? Go listen to the commentary. Mm. You'll be the authority on that movie. I want to um, impress nobody on it. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, it's not my, smarmy uh, favorite enough. commentary is UHF. Dude, I have not listened ever. to that. Is that good? Oh, it's amazing. He gets Who's on everyone it? on the movie. No. Shows up. Like they'll show up for a phone call. Like Fran Drescher too? Uh Fran Drescher, yeah. Uh Michael wow. Richards. Um wow. Oh, what's her face from Silent Live? Victoria Jackson? Yeah, Victoria Jackson. She's there and she, oh, wow. I loved her so much and her being anti gay is the uh, stab yeah. in my heart. It hurts. Oh. It really stab fucking hurts. <laughs> it really hurts. She was a fucking uh I might have learned how to jerk off. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> She's amazing. She's a good-looking yeah. lady in, in yeah. the 80s. It, did, it made sense back then. Yeah. Like, if you wanted a dumber Cindy Lauper, Victoria Traxon was there for you. <laughs> <laughs> Check what? this shit out. This is why we get paid the big bucks at patreon.com slash laser time. If you want to hear oh, some yeah. commentaries... Go to patreon.com slash laser time where we have over a hundred movie commentaries from our Monday night movies, which are available to you for being a Patreon subscriber at the $5 or more a month level. Or you can go to Bandcamp and buy commentaries one at a time if you want. I don't know why you'd want to do that. Just go subscribe and you get all of them. But hey, whatever. Hmm. It's your money. It's your money. But like $2, like like a dollar, $2 a commentary, or you just get all of them all the time forever. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then and, works now. and then head over to Twitter and follow me. I'm at Maddie C. Allen. I think my favorite uh, commentaries are still um, the rejected DVD commentary with oh, Don Hertzfeld. <laughs> where he just like stops midway through and starts talking about taking his car to the mechanic. And, oh, man, it's going to cost <laughs> me so much to get this fixed. And then he like pauses every once in a while to just like react to something. on screen. He's like, oh, here comes this guy. Okay, so anyway, my car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You play clips of it, and I, like I don't know Lou Rawls very <laughs> right. well. Is this, yeah. is this the the, the Anchorman Will one? Lou yeah, Rawls yeah. Other, other like Lou Rawls is the soundtrack to Garfield cartoons. 
and like he's right. such a big cat. He's a big ass cat. <laughs> and then like like thirty minutes into the Anchorman commentary, like I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, <laughs> oh, is that, oh right, that's Lou yeah, Rawls. Yeah, that's yeah, a real song. thing. He's yeah. he did. He did all the Garfield yeah. songs for like twenty years. Mm-hmm. He was there, Vince Guaraldi. It, it's not the same. Wow. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's better. It's better. No, it's so much worse. <laughs> Vince Guaraldi never talked. He never had to. He, had, he never had to like swear fealty to Garfield. He's so cool. Is this is this check clearing? Yeah. Oh, Garfield's so righteous. Uh, did you pronounce it fealty? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> you say it. You say scary it pirate ghosts that are gonna give you nightmares. Oh, yes, yes, my yes. favorite Halloween special. God, that terrified really good. me. Because in the Garfield universe, it established ghosts are canonical. They exist. Uh, yep. In the Garfield universe, one of his so lives, he was an electric clowns. cat that killed an old lady. Oh, sweet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's official canon, too. And the ghosts rise every hundred years to terrorize the living. Yeah. It's so creepy. Yeah. Garfield used to not be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the 80s. Yeah. You know how 80s. long it's been since then? Yeah. A long time. Well, like when we started this show. We have a whole show dedicated to it called 302010 where we count down pop go. culture 30, 20, and 10 years ago. So yep. if you want to hear about the 80s, there's your 30. That's the 30 part, yeah. <laughs> I could do this all fucking night, guys. Well, Come on. Not, <laughs> Give me something else to plug. One more, one more great commentary for Chris, though. Please. Uh, all the audio tracks on... Oh, what's that movie called? Kung was it the fist? Kung, Kung Pao, Kung Pao. Kung Pao. The fist. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's got one where it's an audio book, and everything's what? being described by a British man. Perfect. <laughs> one where it's the original, like what they were actually saying when they overdubbed them. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's I'm like the only person though. I thought I was the only person in the world who liked that movie. It's a good movie. I mean that movie. I mean the first thirty minutes because they're perfect, yeah. and then it gets a little. It wears a little. Yeah. I mean, it's basically just like uh, What's Up, Tiger Lily, right? right. No, exactly it's much like more extreme than that. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, that I know, but I've seen it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, Woody Allen doesn't drive a convertible through the movie. Well, maybe he should. <laughs> like, Maybe he should, Chris. <laughs> no, instead the Ace Ventura director does. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, that guy is one of my favorite failures. Mm. <laughs> um, it just—you remember the thumb series he tried to make happen? And yes. This, uh, yes. And, yeah, and like, no one wants any more of these. We got ten more, and they just kept coming out. They kept coming out, and it's like I have friends who talk about everything that's ever existed. No one's talked about these ever. The thumb movies. Uh, oh, yeah. they're, they're the worst. Oh yeah. All right. Well, let's let's put a lid on this, whatever it is. Um, Sorry, guys. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but anyway, anything but video games. I'd like to talk about right now. <laughs> I know. It's a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can uh, once again you can hit us up on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or me personally at Wikiparas. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Sorry. Knocked over my mic. Are you chasing your mic down a hill? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's got this fucking pop filter. It makes it very unbalanced. Um, I see.